Get your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It'll be 701 in 3, 2, 1. Woof, 701, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm staying nice and toasty, and I would advise everybody that's going to the day game today, the cards do have a doubleheader. If you're going to, well, if you're going to either game today, stay hydrated. If you're going outside today, stay hydrated. Drink a lot of water. Yeah, I was looking at the weather last night, and we're talking triple-digit temps for the next week. Right. So you got to be careful out there. Now, as St. Louisans, we should be used to this, but you kind of have to ease into it. You, you can't just go out and go on, uh, run your half marathon, for example, in the 3 o'clock sunshine in St. Louis when it's 104 degrees outside. It's currently 81. It's going to get up to 101 today. 81 at 7 o'clock a.m.? Yes, correct. Beautiful. Yeah. Good, good thing. Great. Well, hopefully the Cardinals can stay hot. They knocked off the Pittsburgh Pirates last night, 7-5 to five at the ballpark. Zach Thompson got his first major league start for the Redbirds, and he allowed five runs. As a matter of fact, he allowed a Michael Chavis home run in the fifth inning. And, Michelle, I thought, oh, bummer. They're going to lose to the Pirates. They're down 5 nothing, heading into the bottom of the sixth inning. I, I was I had a little Eeyore going last night. Did you? I did not. Confident in the Cardinals' ability against the Pirates' bullpen, huh? I, I, well, confidence in the Cardinals, but more confidence in, in the Pirates to somehow yep. cough, cough it up. But um, it was, I believe, maybe the fifth inning uh, watching the game last night, Danny Mack and, and BT were talking about Goldie. Anytime he comes through the lineup at least three times, if he sees you, he's hitting about 500. And I thought, that's going to bode well for them. Something's going to happen with, with Goldie here. Well, Goldie was a key to the bottom of the sixth inning. He led off with a double. And after a lineup by Nolan Arenado, Tyler O'Neill singled. The Pirates brought in a new pitcher, Banda, to face the amazing Brendan Donovan. 3-1 pitch to Donovan. score. Brendan Donovan with his second double of the night. St. Louis on the board and it's now a 5-2 game. Michelle, this is the devil magic guy. No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. This guy is just a gamer. He's just a great baseball player. Yep. And I f- I tweeted maybe two weeks ago a Brendan Donovan appreciation tweet mm-hmm. and I feel like that is the most evergreen tweet that I've put out in 2022. Right, it is, because you can appreciate him every day. And here's the thing that's going to happen. Cardinals are going to get into, into the playoffs against, like, an Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And people around the country are going to see this guy get a, a two-run double, and they're going to say, who 
is this guy? What's Come going on, on with the flow? Who is this guy? Brendan yeah. Donovan? Haven't heard of him. Yep. Absolutely. Full devil magic. Now, after Donovan doubled Juan Yepes single, Donovan moved to third, and that allowed Dylan Carlson to step in, batting right-handed. And Dylan hits a high fly ball into deep right. And it's gone! Opposite field. Bob by Carlson. One swing. And he's tied it. 5-5. Five, five. Carlson was hitting well before he went on the IL. It's nice to see him get hot again so soon coming off of the injury. Absolutely. Important for the Cardinals, too, for Dylan Carlson to get going. But he had a great game last night. So you've got a 5-5 game heading into the bottom of the seventh. The Pirates have Chris Stratton on the mound against the aforementioned by Michelle Paul Goldschmidt. 3-2 pitch. That made it 6-5. to five. The Cardinals got another run on an error by the Pirates to win it 7-5. to five. And Michelle, the Cardinal bullpen, set down the last 14 Pirates after Thompson went 5. You had T.J. McFarland with an inning and a third, scoreless. And then Gallegos, Cabrera, Helsley on to finish it out. So many things from this game last night, Randy. First of all, this is a really fun team. Mm-hmm. This is a really, really fun. fun team to watch. I know it was against the Pirates, and it's a team that the Cardinals should beat, but when their offense gets clicking, they're really fun, and they have such great, good defense. It's this great combo of veteran stars and young, exciting, fresh players for the Cardinals. They're really actually entertaining to watch. Maybe it's because I'm thinking to last June, when we didn't have a lot to talk about, <laughs> but I just really enjoy watching this baseball team. Um Paul Goldschmidt is out of his mind. I mean, I know that the 2022 Cardinals are always going to be known for Wayno, Yachty, and Albert's last ride together, but we better appreciate what we're seeing out of Paul Goldschmidt in the peak of his career right now. He is a very special player. He's remarkable. And remember last year, it was a longer stretch of being cold. He really got cold towards the end of April this year, and he hasn't slowed down. And you're right 100% about appreciating his career because we might be seeing another Cardinal Hall of Famer. He's going to have to have a few more good years, but he and Arenado, and one of the things the Cardinals are very proud of is that since 1909, I think it is, they've had a Hall of Famer in uniform every single year. And even with this being the last year for Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols, next year you very easily could have a couple of Hall of Famers in uniform, at least with your first and third baseman. Absolutely. And it's not just the bomb that he had last night in a critical situation, but it's just the little things he does every single game that makes this a winning team. And he's not going to have the flashy play all the time like Nolan Arenado. He's not going to give you a sizzling sound bite like Adam Wainwright, mm-hmm. but we're watching a great baseball player. And as you have referenced many times over the years, he really is a false force multiplier because of the way he plays first base and because of the way he hits in the middle of your lineup. And we, we We've used the term numbingly consistent, and he's not the flashy guy, Mm -hmm. but he does, like you said, everything well, and he allows everybody else around him. He makes everybody else around him better. You know who else is doing that? Tommy Edmond. Yep. How incredible has Tommy Edmond been? He showed it again last night. He's he's been... You can make the argument for Goldie, but gosh, Tommy Edmond is the MVP of this team. We have a tendency, I think, to take him for granted as great as he is. 
He had to move to shortstop, and he's doing a lot of this work with an inexperienced second baseman. So they're, they turn four double plays in the first four innings on Sunday. And it's not easy to develop keystone combo chemistry. Remember how DeYoung and Wong would always go down to spring training a month early to yeah. work with Jose Okendo? That's a good point. So he's been working with these guys for a couple of months at best, Donovan and Gorman, and he's got a different guy a lot of the time. And Tommy Edmond always seems to make, and by the way, he goes back to second and works with Sosa at shortstop. He and, and like Goldie, he always makes the play. He's like an iPhone. He does it all. Yeah. He can get your email, your call, do your banking, your social media. He does it all. He's He is so valuable to this team. And as you mentioned, wherever they slot him, he makes them better. And the two teams will play a doubleheader today in the opener at 12.15. And it's a day-nighter, by the way. Matthew Libertor back on the mound. He'll be opposed by JT Brubaker. He was the Pirates' opening day starter. And then the night game tonight at 645, Miles Michaelis goes against Bryce Wilson. Bryce, B-R-Y-S-E, Wilson will go for the Buckos. Good luck, boys. It's going to be a hot one. It will. Yeah, stay Uh, hydrated. Put a little piece of cabbage under your cap. I think about that material and the uniforms and this Hmm. triple-digit heat. No, thank you. Hey, thank goodness they don't have turf. I was telling uh, Ollie Marmol the other night about when I was an usher, and we had the turf, and you literally, on a day like this, it didn't get to a, like 140, 145, 148 degrees. And you could not keep 140? On the field, yeah. The, the field was 140. Because of that AstroTurf, it was, you know, it, it's basically Contained like being heat. on cement. Yeah. Oh, my God. So you couldn't keep your feet. You'd have to keep bouncing your feet up and off the turf. So lift one foot up, lift the other foot up, lift one foot up for the whole game, for nine innings. So it kept you in pretty good shape. It was a good, it was a good core exercise. Uh, but two other things. I'll just Michelle. do abs every now and again. No thanks. Yeah. Uh, two things, and they happened on the same day, actually, when it was like 145 degrees. And I'm sitting with Bob Sykes down in the bullpen in 1981. So Bob Sykes got traded for Willie McGee. And so we're sitting down there on the turf, and he had pitched on Sunday. And this was like a Tuesday day game or something like that. And I said, what's it like out on the mound when it's like this? He said, well, let me tell you. I look back at the scoreboard, and it's a 3-2 count, and I see two threes, two twos, and two two other twos for two outs. He was seeing double vision. So when he was throwing a pitch, he had to pick out which side was right and which side was the mirage. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a good time. No thanks. The other time, uh, or the other thing that happened that day, is that the aforementioned Bob Sykes on a day when it was 140 degrees on the turf, taught me how to chew tobacco. Ooh. And he said, don't swallow this. Just spit it when it gets big in your mouth. Did you try so, to swallow it full Sandlot oh, brother, style? I, I, you know what? I No, I didn't try. So, Michelle, here's what happens. We wear white shirts and a tie and blue shirt, uh, blue pants. Oh, I know. And we have to stand going. up between innings. And he, this is the stuff that's in the pouch. It's yeah, not yeah. the canned stuff. Sure. So it's the big leafy spinach. He said, just, he said, just put it between your cheek and gum and then just spit it. It's great. Well... I'm not a tobacco guy. So the first thing that happens is I'm sitting there and I put it between my cheek and gum and I start to get a little bit dizzy. And, and it's how hot again? So this is not great. It's like, uh, well, it's probably a day like today, 104 mm. in real terms, but probably 145 mm. on the turf. A lot happening for old Randy in this moment. Inning ends. Randy has to get up and look at the crowd, make sure nobody runs on the field. <laughs> Randy's dizzy. He's standing and it's hot and. There starts all of it, and I don't want to spit because I'm looking at all these people. I don't want to. I'm an usher. I'm not a player. Sure. So this stuff starts to expand in my mouth. Little swallow. Not great. Oh, Randy. So chewing tobacco expands. 
Oh, it you, does? That's why I don't know. I've never to, done that, it. That's why people have to spit. That's why you got to spit all the time. Oh, okay. okay. I'm wearing a white shirt. I don't want to spit. It starts dribbling down my chin all over my white shirt. <laughs> it was terrible. And then finally, when the half inning ended, probably a little before the half inning ended, I stumbled back to the bench. The bullpens were down the lines at this point. And I stumbled back to the bench and basically laid down next to Bob Sykes because I was just completely done. And he soaks me. You know, he gets like water and says, Randy, you're in. And uh, finally, I, I was I was good by the next half inning. You didn't get but, sick. Uh, yeah, I got a little sick. I didn't throw up. But That's I, what I mean. That's what I mean. You uh, didn't throw up? Thank goodness. No, I spit the stuff out. That was the last time I've ever had chewing tobacco in my mouth. That was, um... <laughs> Was, Not the best but, day to try it, Randy, no, and, and, or the best environment. I, I wasn't thinking. I was, what, 19, 20 years old. So I, I wasn't thinking. And the rest of the day, uh, I, I just stayed hydrated and learned my lesson about tobacco. You know, I know you're a gamer, Randy, yeah. but the fact that you could power through that and these temps, that's impressive. Well, and, oh, by the way, had the stained shirt for the rest of the day, too, which was not a pretty sight. <laughs> Goodness. Cardinals have a one-game lead in the Central. Uh, last night, NBA Finals, game number five. Andrew Wiggins goes for 26. Steph Curry, for the first time in like ever, mm-hmm. doesn't have a three-pointer, but the Warriors take a 3-2 lead over the Celtics with a 104-94 victory at the Chase Center in San Francisco. That's one Boston wishes they could have capitalized on. You yeah. get you get a 27-point performance from Jason Tatum. As you mentioned, kind of an off night for Steph Curry, and you're not able to handle business. That's... That's not a good sign. And now Curry's mad. That's the last thing you want if you're Boston, right, is an angry, motivated, even more motivated Steph Curry because he wants to prove that he can carry his... He did. He had one of the best games in finals history in Game 4. Has a bad Game 5. But now he'll want to win it for them in Game 6. Every time I am driving in in the morning and Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max is on, I feel like for the past month all they've been talking about is can Steph be considered one of the all-time greats if he isn't a finals MVP? That's Mm -hmm. like their main talking point for these finals. And stuff like that gets back to him. You know that he Mm -hmm. is going to want to come out and close this out having an all-time great performance, be the MVP of the finals. Yeah. Of course he's going to be. He's going to be motivated anyway to win, but he knows what people say about him. They all do. It was 233 consecutive games over the regular and postseason with a three-pointer made. A record 233 games. And it's in the finals that that streak comes to an end. Surprising. And shout out to Andrew Wiggins, too. Yeah. 26 points, 13 rebounds. It was the first time all season and the first time in his playoff career that he led his team outright in both points and rebounds. Good time for him to show up, too. No doubt. Matthew Rocchio, proud alum of the University of Missouri. What did you think of that, Jay Hawker? <laughs> I mean, he's had such huge games in game four and five. I mean, you, you can't really say anything about it. He, like I said, I, I, we, we spelled out how he got beaten in game three and Jason Tatum was the one who beat him. Well, mm-hmm. he stepped up in game four and five with huge rebounds and, and then a huge scoring game last night he was he was flying around those those layups were were ridiculous yeah by the way jason tatum here's our jason tatum minute 27 points 10 rebounds four assists 10 of 20 from the floor five of nine from three and only two of six from the free throw line the celtics were terrible from the line last night so that's the way it goes and that's where we are. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Randy, Matthew, great to have you with us. Coming up during the course of the time between now and NHL free agency, we are going to do Blues want or need with their current players that have the chance to leave. And that's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Life, it's important to distinguish between need and want. You think you want something because you've been conditioned to want it. I want the pump! I want... Michelle, the Blues have an array of free agents this year, and all of us, hopefully, in elementary school, learned about economics and wants and needs. (laughs) For example, I need food and shelter. I want a new putter, but I I don't have to have a new putter. To live, I I need, well, maybe that was a bad example. Why? Because you think you need a putter to live? Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, I think that you don't need... Today, you need air conditioning. There you go. Today, you need air conditioning. I don't think today you need a a new putter. No. So anyway, uh, (laughs) the blues, like this studio, kind of have first world problems. And they have wants and they have needs. And we want to go through free agents and discuss some of the free agents the Blues have and determine for the Blues whether or not those players, that player, is a want for the Blues or a need for the Blues. And uh, Matthew Rocchio is here. Matthew, who's today's first subject for want or need on this spectacular feature that we're going to have henceforth here on Carriker and Smallman. Well, Randy, would you say that the uh, goaltender has played a big part in Blues history? I would say yes. Yeah, just, the, just a little bit. Having you know, him or lack of him, yeah. Or the, or the lack thereof. So so you are going to get right into the most important position. We're going to talk about Vili Husso, the Blues. Is it a want or a need to keep Vili Husso moving forward? Okay. Michelle, let's start with this. The Blues, like every other team, are bound by the constraints of the salary cap. And the salary cap is going up by a million dollars for 2022-2023. But the Blues had some issues with bonuses related to Tyler Bozak's contract. So they're getting docked a million dollars. So their actual salary cap is what it has been for the last few years. $81.5 million. And the Blues have roughly $9 million to play with. So, with all that being said, despite the fact that Villahusa was great for the Blues this season, they would not have gotten as far as they did without the service of Villahusa. I think it's more of a want than a need. And that's for two reasons, Randy. The reemergence of Jordan Bennington down the stretch, and especially in the playoffs, I think settled the nerves of a lot of people. Uh, a lot of Blues fans wondering during the regular season if, if 50 had lost it, if maybe he got hot during a playoff stretch and that was it. That that was the, the peak, which was a pretty good peak. Mm-hmm. But that Jordan Bennington had peaked and we wouldn't see him do that again. Not only during the regular season when he seemed completely lost in between the pipes at, at times, but when you go back to the the last two times you had seen him in the playoffs, he wasn't exactly what you wanted him to be either. But then he comes back down the stretch, he wins those five games, goes into the playoffs, is the best player on the ice for the St. Louis Blues. They could have won that series versus the Avalanche. They might still be playing had Jordan mm-hmm. Bennington not gotten injured. So I think Jordan Bennington finding himself again and re-ass- reasserting himself as the number one goaler makes me think that Ville Husso is a want, not a need. Also... I like what I saw out of Chucky Sideburns. Charlie Lindgren, when he got the call up to the Blues, 5-0-0, he allowed just five goals on 118 shots, 958 save percentage. He continued his excellent play when he went down to Springfield as well. So 
it's not just that I have confidence in Jordan Bennington. It's that I really think that uh, Chucky Sideburns could step in and be a good number two for the Blues. Ville Husso is 27 years old. He'll turn 28 next February. Here's a 28-year-old goalie, Michelle, that's played 40 games this past season with the 2.56 goals against and a 919 save percentage for a, a playoff team that expected to do damage in the playoffs. And the Blues did start him in game one of the playoffs. A very good coaching staff determined that he was good enough to be their guy. And if he would have stayed hot, he would have remained their guy. There are myriad reasons to think that Billy Husso is a need. Guy that played half your games, that played game one of the playoffs. But you laid it out perfectly. The fact of the matter is you have a $6 million goalie who has won a cup, who found his game again. And this is why we have free agency, so that players that don't think that they're getting a proper opportunity can go somewhere else and not only get the money, Mm -hmm. but get the opportunity to play. Billy Husa will have the opportunity to pick his spot. And the Blues, unfortunately for them, dealing in a salary cap era, they don't have the financial wherewithal or the minutes to allow Ville Husso to achieve his goals. Unless Jordan Bennington isn't on the team, which would be a foolish move on the part of the team, there isn't a spot for Ville Husso. There are going to be a half dozen teams around the league that can say to Husso, look, we can give you more than the 40 games you played, and we can give you $4 million, three, between three and four, maybe even more than that. Because of the numbers that Ville Husso is going to draw financially, there's no way that the Blues can keep him. He would absolutely be a luxury that would have the Blues robbing Peter to pay Ville. <laughs> robbing Peter to pay Ville, I love it. <laughs> That's the way it would work. So it's unfortunately, Paul, we all know. Yeah, right. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, and, and by the way, I'm happy for the guy because he's going to get his opportunity. He's he earned, earned the right to be an unrestricted free agent. But at this stage for the Blues, Billy Husso is absolutely a want and not a need. And like a little bird, they have to allow him to, to fly. Yeah, you just have to allow him to spread his wings mm-hmm. and cash that check that he's going to get. And not only is... Uh, Charlie Lindgren a good option. Don't forget about Joel Holfer either. Oh. The, the Blues have some depth at the goaltending position. Did you see after Holfer allowed a game-winning goal the other night, he speared a guy? <laughs> Can you imagine having Bennington and that guy? It's a lot started, of rage. Joel Hofer started a brawl after allowing a game-winning goal in overtime. It was awesome. He also scored an empty net goal. Right, yeah. He, he can light the lamp for you, too. And, and he is definitely a future Blue. There's no doubt about it. So the Blues are well-fortified. What a job. Army has done. When you think about <laughs> ridiculous, Huso was going to be their number one, and Bennington comes through, and then the, the years you talk about evaluation. Carter Hutton comes here and has a great year. Goes to his other places. He's never the same as he was here. Chris Mason's career essentially ended after his run in St. Louis, and then you look at what they have on the horizon with the young goalies. It's really impressive. And, and by the way. You go get a a draft pick for Jake Allen. You evaluated him properly. He was terrific for the Blues. They've done a really good job, in my opinion, of finding goaltenders. Remember the Ryan Miller experiment? Yeah. I mean, think back to the time when... I mean, and no disrespect to Ryan Miller, love the beanie, but you're mm-hmm. watching him, you're watching puck after puck go through the five hole, and you're thinking, man, can the Blues ever get 
a lockdown that goalie? Can we get somebody to just stand on his head? That's what they need for in order to win a cup. And here we are talking about incredible depth that we feel comfortable letting yeah. someone like Ville Husso out of the Blues clutches because of Jordan Bennington and these other guys that the Blues have drafted and developed. It's been remarkable. I had questions about Ryan Miller as soon as he showed up in Arizona with the beanie. Mm. It's like 95 degrees in the, the beanie. I said, come on now. I know it's a look, and I appreciate someone that's committed to a look, but it's really hot there. Yeah, it's it'd be like wearing a beanie to the Cardinal game today. I know it, they do play on ice, so mm-hmm. inside the rink it's a little yeah. colder, but still. Yeah, but he on. had a nice career. Congratulations to Ryan Miller, by yeah, the way. Yeah, no shade. And that's the one where uh, everybody in the league thought that that was the move, Yes, and it just didn't work out for the Blues. I mean, every fan wanted it. Everybody around the league said, yeah, Miller's going to the Blues and they're going to win the Stanley Cup. But isn't that important, though, to remember how despondent we felt, thinking that you mm-hmm. got the right move and that this was going to be the work. guy, and it didn't work? Yeah. And, and here we are talking about three other guys that we feel really com- comfortable in and letting Billy Husa walk out the door. Yeah, That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, how about the resurgence of former Cardinal Matt Carpenter, now of the Yankees? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN, and three weeks ago, the Texas Rangers allowed Matt Carpenter to leave their minor league system. He was having a good year at AAA. He had signed a minor league contract, but he didn't really see a path to the major leagues. Former Cardinal Brad Miller, the Rangers' DH, was having a good year. They had a lot of good hitters on the middle infielder infield that they had spent money for. Corey Seager at short. Marcus Simeon was playing at second base, and Carpenter was languishing in the minors, so he asked for his release. And Michelle, two and a half weeks ago. He signed with the Yankees. It was two weeks ago this past Friday. And so far with the Yankees, 30 plate appearances, six home runs, 13 RBIs. He's hitting 333 and his OPS is 1.592. He's slugging 1.125. And Matt Carpenter is is back, baby. Marp is all the way back. That's after in 2020 and 2021, he hit 176. 28 days ago, he was in AAA, and he has exploded. He looks great. Maybe it's the mustache, Randy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that is getting him a, a different sort of vibe up there at the, at the plate, but he looks like, despite his facial hair not looking like himself, <laughs> he looks like himself again. And people around baseball have noticed, and Mark DeRosa did a great breakdown of Matt Carpenter, who went through the entire offseason, and you and I both read Ken Rosenthal's piece before the season started about the trials and tribulations and travels of Matt Carpenter. He literally traversed the country trying to refine his swing. He broke himself down and completely remade himself, whether it was from the bat he was using or uh, talking to Matt Holliday about what he saw with his swing and his legs. He he went and did different workouts. He saw different swing specialists. He literally went on an odyssey from coast to coast and met with the elite of the elite in every different aspect of hitting in order to find out what was wrong with him, diagnose it, and then make it better. Former Major Leaguer Tim Laker, who was the first person that Matt visited, said in watching him when he came through the door, it didn't seem like he was a former major leaguer. His swing was so far gone that it was hard to imagine that he had been a productive major, uh, a major leaguer at all, let alone a productive major leaguer. 
Didn't Brad Thompson describe it best when he said sometimes it looked like Mark Mark was swinging underwater? Right, it did. That's how slow and and, uh, reactionary it was at times. But I think for me, Randy, my first reaction to this is that I'm thrilled for Matt Mm -hmm. Carpenter because he's one of the all-time great Cardinals, one of the hardest working and best guys that this organization has seen. And you knew that if he was able to solve the riddle of what was wrong with him, that he was going to work until he could correct it. But then the second thought process that I have is... Why were all these other people able to see what was wrong with Matt Carpenter and fix him and the Cardinals, who had a big-time financial investment in him, weren't able to do the same thing? It's it's kind of alarming, and you do have to be concerned when you're spending $32-$36 million over the course of a couple of years and getting virtually nothing out of a player. So Carpenter did visit Votto, Joey Votto. He visited Matt Holliday, and Mark DeRosa talked about that journey. His quest to refine his swing. He went to work with Tim Laker. I mean, he works with Nolan Arenado. He's worked with other guys as well. He worked with J.D. Martinez's guy. He took it out to Oklahoma State to work with his old teammate, Matt Holliday. But it all started with a phone call to Joey Votto. Joey Votto was on vacation, and Matt Carpenter said, hey, give it to me straight. Like, I want honesty. Can I reclaim this? I watched you be one of the best players in the National League and then kind of take a downturn, and then here you came again. Joey Votto kind of said, I hit him with some brutal truths. You're doing some things that maybe you need to kind of look into maybe changing a little bit. And he was willing to bite the bullet, minor league deal with Texas, go down to the bushes again, and then what happens? Good things happen to good people, and he's kind of refound it. Joey Votto, by the way, was in Paris when when Matt Carpenter called him. So he's probably sitting there having a delicious Parisian hamburger, some palm frites, and he can tell Matt Carpenter some brutal truths about what he sees with his swing. A current player, someone who's a rival in your division that hasn't studied you the way those internally within the Cardinals organization probably have, and he can put down the burger and tell you what's wrong with you? Yeah, and they did get together, but Votto, he watched Matt and knew at least on the surface, what the problems were. But Matt had to dig a lot deeper, and there was a lot of thought that went into the process of his offseason. The biggest thing that I had issues with last year was getting into this position and from coming here, off your backside. Coming off my backside and immediately dropping and spinning. Okay. For me, that, that was the biggest thing. I can't cover the ball. Obviously, I can't cover the ball away. Doing this, the ball's in. I'm going to, you know, fillet or lift or roll over, depending on the speed of the pitch. So for me, all spring and all offseason, my big thing is getting myself into that good position where I'm back, I'm on my backside, I'm loaded, and now from here, I'm already inside the baseball. I just got to take a good direct path to it. So Mark DeRosa does an unbelievable job of mm-hmm. breaking down baseball at MLB Network. He does the morning show MLB Central, and he broke down what Carpenter is doing now. Getting off his backside, he felt like he was getting to his front side, losing all his power. Why do you load in baseball? You load to get into your back knee and your back hip. So in his mind, he had to get back to try and hit the ball up the middle the other way. But what he really needed to do was change the way he thought about his lower half and creating lag. He's not trying to work the ball the other way. He's connected. Run this. Boom. I wonder, Michelle, and... We would have to ask Matt or ask the Cardinals if these ideas were ever presented to him. Well, they might have been. We don't know. We weren't privy to those Mm -hmm. internal conversations. But 
I think we do know enough about Matt Carpenter to know if something like this was presented to him that he would have at least been trying to do it or trying mm-hmm. to experiment. I mean, he he called in all of these experts from from all across the nation to try to help him remake himself. I would imagine that if someone within the organization that was paying him to perform said, we're seeing X, Y, Z out of you, why don't you try this, that he would at least work to try to correct it. And one thing the Cardinals did do with him in 2018 when he got off to that horrific start was they, they brought him in and said, look, your peripherals are fine. Keep doing what you're doing. And I don't know mechanically, I don't know anything about hitting but I don't know it, when things fell apart because the peripherals did diminish over the course of 19, 20, 21, and he wasn't hitting the ball nearly as hard. And so now Mark DeRosa takes a look at him and sees a really good hitter again. story to kind of watch him get locked in. None of these balls, he's not thinking, shooting up the middle the other way over to shortstop's head. Oh. That short porch is working for him. He is on the dish. But his upper half and lower half are connected. And Michelle, one of the things that came up in the in the video, and you can find it online, by the way, Mark DeRosa's mm-hmm. breakdown of it's Matt really Carpenter, good. was that where he was with his back foot, he he was done and had no chance while the ball was in the air flying toward him. Yeah, Mark DeRosa does a great split screen of Matt Carpenter currently with the Yankees and Matt Carpenter, uh, the depleted version with the Cardinals. And you can just see the bottom half and the, and mm-hmm. the difference in the, sw- in the swing. It's just very pronounced when you see it side by side that he has been able to correct that back foot and that he's getting more power off that back leg and able to explode through. And one other point we need to make, and we always mentioned when Matt was struggling here what a hard worker he was yeah. and is. I wonder if there's a lot of hitters, especially at his age, he's got more money than he can ever spend. I wonder how many guys are going to spend an offseason going around the country, talking to people to try to get their swing back, and then sign a AAA deal and work in AAA to try to get back to the major leagues. I don't. I know that there's a lot of people that will sign minor league contracts with the idea of hoping to get back to the major leagues. But he spent the entire lockout talking to people about how he could get his game back. He's going to be 37 this year. And as you mentioned, he's made tens of millions of dollars, probably has a very comfortable life. To think that he could have walked away at this point and had a really good career. We talk about him maybe being a red jacket guy, a Cardinal Mm -hmm. Hall of Famer. He could have easily cruised off into the Texas sunset, spent time with his family, and enjoyed his life. But this is somebody that loves baseball and that wants to to be able to play the game at a high level again. And I don't know how many guys would really dedicate themselves to returning to form the way that Matt Carpenter would because, Randy, even despite the Cardinals saying all of the metrics are saying that it's still there for him, um, he's just been unlucky at times and he needs to just keep doing what he's doing. I wondered if he had just reached that point physically in his career where he had lost it. That that happens to every player. At some point, father time gets you and physically you're just never able to be what you once were. And when he's 36 years old, I think that's a fair question. But he clearly knew that something was wrong and that he still had more left in the tank. And I have the utmost respect for a guy that checks his ego at the door, not only saying I'm going to go to AAA to find myself, but can go to people like Joey Votto, who's his peer, or Matt Holliday, who's a former teammate, mm-hmm. and say, I messed up. Can you help me? Right. That takes a really, really strong person mentally to be able to do that. And I use the word alarming, and here's why. It's because the Cardinals were paying him $18 million a year. And 
in my opinion, if a guy has ability, you should have people within your organization that are able to maximize that ability, especially if it's costing you a lot of money. Now, I don't want to take anything away because when you look right now what the Cardinals are doing, they're top five in the majors in runs per game, and a lot of people are hitting really well. Goldie's hitting really well. Arenado got off to a great start. We're seeing Dylan Carlson, uh, Tommy Edmond. So the Cardinals are maximizing a lot of their guys. But that being said... If if other people can find this and Bill DeWitt's question to his staff every day is, what is our competitive advantage? Shouldn't it be to maximize the people that you're paying a bunch of money to? Probably. That's that's why I say it's alarming. It, I, I, I'm saying it from the chair, I don't have a billion dollars, of Bill DeWitt. I wish you did, Randy. I wish you <laughs> did have a billion dollars. Um, I believe it was in the Ken Rosenthal piece when uh, Matt Carpenter recounts Matt Holiday helping him. And I believe he said that he went down to see Matt Holiday in Oklahoma. I wish I, I had it pulled up right here because I would give you the exact quote. But basically, they spent a day watching video Matt Holiday looking at what he saw out of Matt Carpenter, giving him some tips here and there, showing him what he saw. And I believe in the piece, Randy, and I know you read, we read it yesterday mm-hmm. when we were prepping for the segment. It said the next day, I saw a change in yep. him. And he could hear the change. He could hear the change. Thank you. Off of the bat. One day, you you tell mm-hmm. him what you're... And Matt Holliday's a great baseball mind. He's obviously a, a good coach. But one day, you can see an improvement in him? Pretty good job by Matt Holliday. Get him on the... <laughs> I know he's got a lot going on, but can we get him a big check so he can come in and, and work exactly. with some of these hitters? So good for Matt Holliday, or Matt Carpenter, rather. And, hopefully, and Matt Holliday you know, for he, helping him out. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Matt Carpenter is playing on the best team in baseball right now, so good for him, and hopefully he's having a good time. Take it or leave it. It's coming your way next. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Tioli next with Carriker Smallman and Matthew on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Tioli, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle Smallman, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us. Michelle, we all know Montrez Harrell, former Louisville player, now of the Charlotte Hornets, great NBA player, and uh, pulled over in Louisville last month, uh, pulled over for tailgating, essentially. And uh, police said they that uh, when they asked him, because apparently when they pulled him over, he rolled the window down and... It smelled like he'd been puffing the magic dragon, okay? Uh, And he said he had a small amount of the devil's lettuce and does get a little bag of the wacky weed from his sweatpants, from inside his sweatpants. Well, the police say this is kind of suspicious. So they look and they, in his backpack, in the backseat, find three pounds of the Bellando spruce. It's unbelievable. 
Uh, all in vacuum sealed bag. So uh, his arraignment was originally scheduled for Monday, but it's been moved to 9.30 a.m. on July 13th. And the trafficking charge, a trafficking charge. So they're going to arrest the guy and put him in jail for being an entrepreneur. Uh, his first offense in a class D felony comes with one to five years in prison Yikes. Uh, if convicted. But uh, take it or leave it. You shouldn't go to jail anymore for having a little bit of the Acapulco Black. I'm going to take that. Yeah, come on. I mean, he was, you know what? He was probably just going to partake of the Bobo Bush. I'm not even sure he was going to be a, a quote unquote trafficker or an entrepreneur. I think he was just enjoying some Colombian. You think? <laughs> he probably, it was 9.50 in the morning when he got pulled over. Uh, you know what? He, he would have probably finished that dinky dial by the time the day was over. You think that was for personal use? I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, you drive around and you... you Got a little Rasta weed and probably some buddies too. And they were going to have a, a little bit of a party and enjoy some chillums and then move on. You did, know? Did you did you go straight to the Greg Robinson? Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. Okay. Well, Greg Robinson was, I think, 37 pounds. Yeah, that's I mean, a lot. Yeah, he's, he couldn't do that in a day. Now, he was, G Money is a big fella. Wasn't he going across? Uh, he was in Texas. Yeah. yeah, state lines. Yeah. So. So, at the very least, we know Montrez Harrell has Aunt Mary, you know, so enjoy the Bammy, big boy. And hopefully you don't go to jail, sir. Yeah, he, he, you blow a stick? Come on. I mean... Well, you, uh, context You here. try to... Family show. People are, are... They're growing the Bobo Bush, and you have to disperse of it somehow. Well, you're right. He's an entrepreneur. He lives in California, and he's, he's, going to a, he's going to a deprived state to help some... Uh, Clear medical patients, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. He's a humanitarian and an entrepreneur, and now that's a suddenly an illegal thing in this world? I thought this was America. I'm, I'm with you. Thank you. So, anyway, kids, uh, just don't carry three pounds of wacky weed. Yeah, don't do it. Just don't do it. Just doesn't seem like a, a smart choice. No, not, not no. now. Okay, so I want to tell you about an elephant. Oh, did you take it, by the way? Yeah, I t- okay, you good. should not go to jail for that. No, no. Okay, come good. on. I mean, it's 2022. I apologize. Go ahead. We have a lot of governments making a lot of money off of that. Mm-hmm. Come on. Ridiculous. Um, anyway, I want to tell you about an elephant in eastern India, okay? So this woman, Maya Murmu, she was at a tube well drawing some water in her town in eastern India, and a wild elephant came out of nowhere and trampled her, okay? Now, this is a sad story because... Uh, Maya Murmu was taken to the hospital and she died because of the injuries from this wild elephant after he trampled her, okay? So family members, they're mourning, they gather at a funeral, they're performing last rites for poor Maya who died by a wild elephant trampling and all of a sudden at the last rites, the same elephant appeared, lifted her body from the funeral pyre and trampled it again. (laughs) Take it or leave it. This is an Italian elephant, not an Indian elephant. I'm going to 100% take that. Yeah. Uh, you know what? He, he had the memory of an elephant. She did something. Maya no did something to that elephant. Sounds like she was just drawing some water, minding her own business. <laughs> yeah. Just a so casual day at the at the well. <laughs> this elephant is going to made sure that she was gone. Trampled her even in death. Came back twice. That's awesome. I mean, that is that is the Tony Soprano of elephants. That is one angry elephant. He wants to make sure she's whacked. <laughs> yeah, he's Italian, no doubt. <laughs> it's awesome. Isn't I feel that bad. Came to her funeral to trample her corpse. I wonder how he knew where the funeral was. He kept an eye on her. Huh? Uh, yeah.
<laughs> Maybe he thought he didn't finish the job. I'm just what I'm saying. We're going to make sure. <laughs> and what do you do if, if you're a family member in that moment? You're not getting close to an elephant. Yeah. You're not going to risk your life. Yep. But you're watching poor Maya get trampled again. Boy, she made him mad. <laughs> he had some unfinished business. <laughs> All right, Matthew, what do you got on the text line? Anything that can beat uh, Maya Murmu's passing? Oh, um, no. Rest uh, in peace. It's not. Oh, that's, yeah. Gone yeah, too that's, soon. She was 70. Yeah. Gone, gone too soon. That's literally the funniest thing I've heard in, 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 a, long, in, in a few weeks. That's, that's absolutely incredible. Take it or leave it, though. Marp will be the comeback player of the year. Take it. Yeah, I'll take it. Why not? Heck yeah. We have another one to say, take or leave it. Marps back in the minors by the end of July. Oh, leave it. Yeah, I'm going to leave it. Hottest guy in baseball. Yeah. Well, one of them. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Noah Syndergaard is still, I, I don't think that he's going to win it. That's a great question. I, I think We should look that up. Yeah, Marp could uh, absolutely be one of the guys. He could do it. I mean, he's making Yankee history over here. Right. He's. I, we were talking about it during a break. He's probably sixth or seventh in all-time Yankee lore. So you've got Ruth. You've got DiMaggio. Right. Do you want to put Jeter. Gary? Do you put Jeter? Do you put Gary ahead of him? Mantle. I think you have to. So you probably he's probably sixth or seventh all time. Six home runs in his first ten games. Not but many other people have done that, if any. That's quite the debut. Yeah. So I'm with you. Hacks and pinstripes, that's all they have been until Matt Carpenter stepped there. Take it or leave it. Donovan, Gorman, and Yepez are still on the Cardinals roster after the trade deadline. Donovan, Gorman, and Yepez. Well, they'll certainly all be in the organization. Say that one one more time. Donovan, Gorman, Yepez, all still on the Cardinals at the end of the trade deadline. Or post-trade I'm, tra- I'm post taking trade it. Deadline. I'm, I'm taking it, too. I'm taking it. I don't, you're not getting rid of Donovan. You're not You're not no. getting rid of any of those guys. Maybe Yepes, but I, I don't know what you would get in return for him. And he's been, he's been productive. Right. Your position players, I think now, with Corey Dickerson on the I.L., I think this group of position players is the position players, the group of position players that you'll have going forward. They have a lot of depth, though. They're going to have even more. They're going to be absolutely loaded. It's crazy. Too many good players. It's a good time in St. Louis sports. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we got too many good players. The the Blues have great depth. They Mm -hmm. have a, a window open to win another championship. The Cardinals have a great foundation, and the future looks bright. Good times. Do you remember... After the 2011 season when Spags got fired, in 2012, literally half of the 2011 Rams roster wasn't not only on the team, wasn't even in the league. Brutal. They didn't have too many good players. We were just hoping for one. Well, that's right. But (laughs) as it turns out, they had a thought process that was smart for them. You know, when you have a bunch of players that can't play in the league, that's going to cause you to lose games and allow you to move. Uh, that's Michelle. I'm Randy. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk to Max Scherzer's dad, Brad Scherzer. It's Dad's Week on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. There are lots of things that normal people can do. But dads can't, like win races. Every time my dad and I have a race on the dairy, dad loses. Dads really like things like fishing and going to sports games. Almost every kind of game. We hear all week from fathers, also from athletes talking about their dads and how they father their kids. It's a celebration for all sports fans and especially dads. 
Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And one of the greatest athletes ever to come out of St. Louis is Max Scherzer, now of the New York Mets. And his father, Brad Scherzer, joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Brad, great to have you with us. Thanks for your time this morning. How you doing? Doing just fine. Good morning to you. Well, we always enjoyed uh, hearing from you during your time here in St. Louis. We know that you and your wife have moved down to Florida, but we're so proud, and I know you're so proud, of Max. Oh, absolutely. Uh, um, in fact, that's what we did. We've moved down to Florida just kind of to be near the, near Max and the grandkids when he's in the off season. So he that's where he makes his winter home. So, But the being close to the grandkids is, is certainly a benefit here. Brad, let's go back to when Max was a little kid. We know him now as one of the greatest pitchers in baseball, and he certainly has that intensity and that fire. Was this always something that he wanted to do, even as a little kid? Oh, absolutely. He, he, he's always had that fire. Um, I'm not sure where he got that fire, but uh, he, he's had it since he was uh, a wee toddler. You could always see the competitiveness, his, his willingness to win, to put the effort in. Um, his disappointment when he he loses, he just refused to lose. As a matter of fact, uh, but but that's always been there. It's it's something that did, you didn't have to teach him. Brad, when he was at Parkway Central, a, a low draft choice, wounds up going to the University of Missouri and then plays his entire career there. What were the discussions like, though, when uh, coming out of high school, he really didn't have a great opportunity to get to the, to pro ball. Oh, it was an interesting time at that point. <clears throat> um, he, he would, the, the Cardinals had, had approached us, and, and, and we were aware of the possibilities and so on. Um, the, to Max's credit, education was always very important to him, as it is to our whole family. And he was, he was very focused on education, and he let that be known uh, to everyone that we, that we talked to, all the different pro scouts that had stopped by. He said, boy, I want an education because that way he always had something to fall back on. He always knew that no matter what happened in the, in the athletic endeavors, that education was something that he could actually look back to and, and build something on in case something else didn't work, give him opportunities and options within that. So I think when that was all happening, he made that clear, and I think that was all part of the decisions that, that he made. I love that, Brad, that he was so focused on education as well. But as his dad, watching him as he continued to get better as a kid, was there ever one point in time, maybe a, a game or a certain moment where you thought, wow, he could be really good at this? Um, well, actually, when he was two years old. <laughs> wow. I mean, it came back there. You could just see his competitiveness and, and doing that. And as, he's at a young age. I'd come home from work, and he'd be standing there with a ball and bat and a glove and said, Dad, let's go out and play. And I would just get home from work. Like, come on, give me a break here. I just got home. You know, if I had to go out there first and we had to go play some some baseball and all that. So you you could recognize that that trade into him in his early, early years. And could you tell that early with the arm, too? Was he at two? Was he throwing it all the way across the yard to you? Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> I was I was ducking. <laughs> I out of the way. So he takes so much pride in being from St. Louis and, and Central and, and going to the University of Missouri. And by the way, from what I understand, still has involvement at Mizzou, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, he absolutely does. He, he, in fact, he just was there recently uh, at the University of Missouri. Uh, he maintains a lot of ties there. 
But I, I would think that you as a family, and Max has referenced this before, and you've gone to a lot of Cardinal games. You took him to Cardinal games as a kid, and his career is going to end without him pitching for the Cardinals. Is Are you bummed out in any way because that never was able to happen, that that connection was never made? Well, we had season tickets for like 20-some-odd years going to the Cardinals. So, uh, you know, when you're being from St. Louis, it's basically it's ingrained into you. You always be a Cardinal fan. Now, I know Max always has had a, a fond spot for the Cardinals, as, as well as my dad and my grandfather. So many generations of Cardinal fans there. Um, whether that works out or not, it's part of the business of baseball and how things fall and all that. It's something you can't necessarily control. So you just have to learn to live with it. Brad, we're always hoping for it here in St. Louis, though. We're, we're always hoping that one day we'll see Max wear the birds on the bat. Now, Father's Day is this Sunday, Brad, and normally I write my dad a nice card. I maybe get him a box of golf balls. Max gave you a no-hitter. That has to be one of the all-time great Father's Day gifts. Without a doubt. <laughs> uh, we happened to be there at the time, and, and the wild part about it, it was getting late into the game before we realized what was going on in, in that game, and it was it was a Saturday afternoon game, as a matter of fact, and we kept watching. And all of a sudden, somebody mentioned like, "Hey, there's no hits here," and actually, there you know, it was to the very last person. And then, and finally, then you realize what was going on. So, and then later on, we got to celebrate that, and it was all part of the Father's Day theme within that. So you, you're right; you can't ask for a better gift than that. And thank goodness nobody brought it up until late because. Knowing pitchers, and I'm assuming with Max's intensity, he's this way. He doesn't want anybody mentioning that there's a no hitter going on. Well, I think he doesn't want anybody mentioning anything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brad, you, you mentioned that uh, he's interested in business. What did you think of Max's involvement this year during the, uh, the the collective bargaining agreement? He was so intense. He said he'd never do it again because it took up 20 hours a day. But from a, a dad's standpoint, what did you think of your baseball player's son being as involved as he was? I, I was glad of, of that because I know Max does a, a tremendous amount of research and, and digging into things and analysis and he, he coming up with this uh, lots of different alternatives within that. So I thought that was very beneficial to that whole process. So I was really happy that he was involved with that. And no doubt about it, he did spend hours and hours uh, this past winter involved with that. You, you know, we'd go over and babysit for the kids and he wouldn't, he would, we just wouldn't see him because he was involved. Or he'd be on, on conference calls and, and working with a lot of people and making suggestions and doing a lot of research. So I was happy that he was invo- involved with that process. Brad, your son has accomplished so much. A World Series champion, Cy Young's, All-Stars. Uh, the, the resume is long and it's plentiful and he's going to continue to add to it. But as you reflect on his career, what are you the most proud of up to this point? Um, it it's hard to sit, pick out things right now only because, you know, you try to work. I'm more worried about the, you know, getting him back in, get back in the game here and getting it started again. Uh, but certainly winning the World Series, you, you can't top that. That's, the, you know, starting game seven, the whole nine yards. How could, how could, you, ask, how could you top that? And it's interesting. Now here is Max in his late 30s. But I have to believe that even when he has an oblique injury like he has right now, uh, mom and dad are thinking, uh-oh, our boy, what's wrong with our boy, right? doesn't matter what the injury is. When, when he's not feeling well, you're still his dad. Oh, absolutely. You still you worry about everything. Uh-oh, his fingernails need to be clipped. You know, whatever the case <laughs> you you're right. You, you're concerned about everything. But actually knowing Max and how he, he is so uh, 
takes care of himself with such great degree and, and worries about everything. It, it kind of gives you a little peace of mind, like, okay, whatever's happened here, I know he's taking the right steps to, to get things better, and, and, and that's been the case. Brad, you mentioned that uh, you're down there in Florida by Max and his family. We know that he has kids. What is Max like as a dad? Oh, he, wow, he's a great dad. Um, that, you know, talk about something you're really proud of. That, that is something I'm very proud of. You know, he, he really interacts well with his kids. You know, we're sitting there playing, uh, you know, cause my wife and I were playing with the kids and babysitting and doing all sorts of things. He walks in the room. It's like we don't exist. The kids run over. You see him immediately. So he's, he's a great dad. That's fantastic. Hey, one more thing. In addition to being a dad of his kids, he and his wife, Erica, are so heavily involved with uh, animal rescue and uh, the, their philanthropy in that regard. And I would think, again, as uh, as parents, that's what I'm really happy with. I, I remember my kids being involved with charitable endeavors. And as great as he is in baseball, and you're proud of all that, it's the things that people don't see, I would think, that make mom and dad most proud. Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah, it, it, that, that's just being one of them. The Animal Rescue Foundation they work with and so on, uh, they're so dedicated to that. But there's also another a number of different things that he, he does, If he, as you say, under the radar, uh, that makes you proud to know that he's giving back, that he knows that he cares about other things um, in, in his life. So that, you're right, that's very proud of doing that. Hey, Brad, as you know from listening to Sports Talk Radio in St. Louis for a lot of years, whenever he starts, we're talking about it, and we're always thinking of Max, and we're so proud that uh, you and the family and Max are from St. Louis, and we appreciate your time today, and we wish you a very happy Father's Day. Great. Thank you. Randy, Michelle, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Take care. That is Brad Scherzer, the father of the great future Hall of Famer Max Scherzer. I love the story that Brad told us about how Max is two years old two. and Brad is is coming home from work and Max is begging him to to play baseball. And I guess there's something there because Rick Carpenter, who's going to join us tomorrow, and we've had him on during Dad's Week in the past, he told us Matt was the same way. Matt Carpenter would come home and the, the little stick that you put in to keep a uh, a sliding door closed, yeah. or yeah, he, he would pick that up and he'd be swinging it at the age of two. Unreal. Yeah. So, pretty cool. Uh, Great to hear from Brad Scherzer. Coming up, the Cardinals knocked off the Pirates last night, and the Cardinals showing some resiliency here. We're going to talk about what they're doing to play a hard nine again. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's 8.18 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Cardinals were down 5 nothing last night and came back to win 7-5. to They overcame their first deficit of more than three runs this season, overcame a five-run deficit for the first time since September 23rd of last year at Milwaukee. And, Michelle, this is a key for the Cardinals. They retired the last 14 Pirates hitters. The Cardinals' bullpen came through, and if you're going to have comeback games, obviously, you need your bullpen to buckle down, and they did in uh, the Cardinals' 7-5 win. Right now, the Cardinals 12-9 and uh, when they come from in, in come-from-behind games, and you'd like to not 
allow as many comebacks as they have, but to come back a dozen times is is pretty good in your first third of the season. Pretty impressive. Uh, Ali Marmol, after the game, says this team, they know what they're capable of. There was no panic in there. Doesn't that remind you of another St. Louis team? That's the exact same quotes that we would hear coming out of the Blues. There's no panic in here. Yeah, they they play the hard nine. They do. And that was always Tony's thing, and they actually had play a hard nine t-shirts. And it's something that has stayed with this club. And that's part of the culture that they've built here, from Tony to Matheny to Schilt and, and now to Ali Marmol, organizational guys that, and, and this was instilled by Tony LaRussa, but it's something that hasn't gone away. And even a rookie like Brendan Donovan is aware of the necessary resilience if you're going to be a Cardinal player. Just kept grinding, tried to get him out of there, and then luckily we got it going uh, off the bullpen. But I think that's a testament to us. We don't give in. We just keep fighting, and I think that's the identity identity of our offense. And I, I would guess, Michelle, part of the advantage of having veteran players that have been through so many wars mm-hmm. and taking a leadership role in that dugout are... Uh, part of the advantage of having those veterans is that they don't quit. You remember the 2012 comeback in Game 5 against Washington, and it was Chris Carpenter going up and ru- up and down the dugout saying, hey, this comeback is going to be epic. It's mm-hmm. going to be epic. And lo and behold, they did come back. And Adam Wainwright's the same way. It starts with belief, right? Oh, of course. And nobody's going to believe in these guys more than they believe in their, themselves. But in addition to having guys like Wayno and Yachty and Albert who have been through those wars, as you mentioned, Randy, and they're never going to count themselves out. I think Ali Marmol has done a really good job of instilling a sense of urgency in this team, even early on. I mean, he came out in spring training and said, the goal is to win the World Series. Mm-hmm. And if we don't win the World Series, this season is a disappointment. And you look at a guy like Harrison Bader, who nine times out of 10 is always hustling and always giving a hundred percent and when he doesn't Ollie takes him from the game and makes this statement saying it doesn't matter what the circumstances are you need to have your foot on the gas at all times I don't care mm-hmm. what the circumstances in the game are I don't care what game what what the circumstances are in the season we need to be going for it at all times and when your manager is sending a message like that and instilling that in you that permeates throughout the clubhouse as well and I wonder with a team like Pittsburgh and they're minus 93 they're a league worst minus 93 in run differential and they have played 59 games if it's the reverse for them, if the Cardinals are in that dugout down 5 nothing, and they're saying, we're going to come back and get this, there's no panic in here. If on the other side, in the Pirates dugout, they're saying, we're up 5 nothing, but look who we're playing. I wonder if there's a belief there that the Cardinals at some point are just going to come back and get them. I don't, maybe not when you're up 5 nothing. <laughs> you wouldn't think so, because you, I had kind of given up. You might feel pretty safe if you're the Pirates. You won't if, today. If you've, no, you won't today. <laughs> you certainly won't. But, you know, when it, when it's Zach Thompson, who's making his first major league start, and you're able to pounce on him, I'm sure the Pirates felt kind of comfortable and felt like this mm-hmm. is a game that they might be able to steal from the Cardinals. But that's the, the difference organizationally, is that they're thinking we can steal a game from the Cardinals, and the Cardinals are thinking we need to beat you regardless of the deficit that you put us in. And the Cardinals now with first place in the National League Central all to themselves. They have a one-game lead over Milwaukee. They would obviously be in the playoffs if the playoffs started today. And Michelle, I think another point to be made here is that while the Cardinals are dealing with a softer schedule, and by the way, they have the second easiest schedule for the rest of the season in Major League Baseball. Only the White Sox have an easier schedule the rest of the way. The Brewers are running into the tough part of their schedule that the Cardinals just dealt with. I kind of think that 
if there's an opportunity for the Cardinals to open things up, that this next three weeks might be, before the All-Star break, might be the opportunity. Take advantage of it. Feast while you can. Yep. When you look at the Milwaukee schedule, so they just finished up with Washington. They go to New York to take on the Mets for three. Then they're at Cincinnati. Then they've got the Cardinals for four at home. Then they get Toronto like the Cardinals had. Then they have to go to Tampa before they get Pittsburgh, uh, Chicago, and Pittsburgh again. So it's really the the rest of June for Milwaukee to deal with a tough schedule and the Cardinals schedule. Uh, should be a little bit softer, and hopefully they'll be able to come up with a few victories and expand the lead. In July, though, the card they the Cardinals need to take care of business now mm-hmm. because in July you've got Philly twice, Atlanta, and LA before you close out versus the Reds before the All Star break. So yeah. you're going to have a tough stretch coming up here in July. You need to feast while you can. That comeback feeling seems a little bit stronger too when you're playing the Reds and the Pirates. Like there there were there were very few points where I completely felt out of it this weekend against the Reds. I didn't necessarily feel you know excited at any point by the Cardinals beyond a couple you know, split moments. You know, Their overall play against the Reds didn't give me that jack, but I never really thought they were out of it. A little bit last night as well. Bad schedule we've talked about, just taking care of business. If you can keep fighting these bad teams through nine, you're a good enough team. You're going to win these games. This is If this is going to be a war of attrition against sub-500 teams, the Cardinals are going to keep winning it out. The problem is when they play down to their competition, and they're finally, at least late in these games, starting to you know play to the talent level, eventually just kind of grinding it out and getting to that point with this offense. And the Cardinals have to dominate this team, the Pirates, uh, whom they're six and one against, they have to dominate the Reds, who they're four and two against, and they have to dominate the Cubs, who they're three and two against. In this division, you just have to handle your business. Win two out of three against each of those teams. When you so, if you have eighteen, you got to go twelve and six against them. If you do that, and a couple of those, you have nineteen against. But if you do that, you're going to win the division. You do, you dominate them, and you're you play five hundred against everybody else, and you're going to win the division. That's Michelle. That's Matthew. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got the fight. And then before the hour is up, we'll talk to Mike Claiborne. And then next hour, we're going to talk to pro wrestler Chris Jericho. He's going to be in town with AWE. And we'll talk to him later on in the show at 915 here with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on character and small men in the red corner, Joe Listener, and in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker. It's time for the fight on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We have a returning fighter. Yesterday, Josh came in and he beat Randy. Not only did he beat Randy, Josh got all four correct. And he beat Randy four to two. So he is back to defend his title. If he wins today, he has a chance at the Hall of Fame tomorrow. Good morning, Josh. How you doing? Good. Good morning, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. You ready to go for round number two? Yeah, let's hope we can uh, do what we did yesterday. That's right. I have faith in you. Good luck. Question number one for Josh. On this day in 1992, Ozzie Smith passed Roy McMillan for the all-time record of double plays turned as the shortstop, 1,305. Who currently holds the record? Is it Cal Ripken Jr., Derek Jeter, or Omar Vizquel? Mm. Um, I hate to go with the one that I think is obvious, but I'll go with Cal Ripken. 
other than Kevin Durant's back-to-back NBA Finals MVP wins and Andre Iguodala's surprise selection in 2015, who is the only other Golden State Warrior to win a Finals MVP with the Warriors? Was that Wilt Chamberlain, Rick Barry, or Nate Thurmond? Let's go Rick Barry. Josh, prior to Barry Bonds' run in San Francisco, what Major League Baseball legend held the record for most National League home runs from a lefty? Is it Eddie Murray, Fred McGriff, or Willie McCovey? Let's go Eddie Murray. And this year's Stanley Cup final between the Lightning and Avalanche is only the second matchup in Big Four sports history between two teams without an S at the end. What other league's final had the first such instance? Was that another NHL team? Was that the NBA? Or was that Major League Baseball? Let's go with NBA. Checking our score. Randy is there. He is waving him in. Josh, do you have as much confidence today as you did yesterday? Uh, I didn't have tons yesterday, but uh, <laughs> definitely not today. Well, I was going to ask you which question you had the... Yeah, which question? Yeah, but never mind. Randy's got his headset <laughs> on. Before we move on to Randy, I believe the last he answered the last one correctly. What, what did you guess on the last... Randy, take your headset off. You Earm- Earmuffs, sir. Earmuffs. What did you guess, Josh, on the last question? Uh, the second one, which was basketball. Okay, yes. I had wrote, written it down incorrectly. Literally uh, the day yes. after I questioned. Has this ever happened that we actually... Yes, see? It does happen. <laughs> of course. Just okay, my bad, I summoned Josh. it. My bad. I, I almost messed you up there. Randy, heads that back on. Okay. Say good morning to Josh. You remember him. He beat you 4-2 to two yesterday. Josh, good morning. Great to have you with us again. How you doing? Good. Good morning, Randy. Would have been a little better if the Celtics could have pulled it off last night. Yeah, it would have been nice to have Tatum come away with a victory, but now, well, uh, he got to the finals. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's not over. It's not over. Okay. Celtics and seven, baby. Okay. I Let's like go. Thing. Okay, good. Right? I love your uh, optimism. It's not over until it's over. It's not over when the Pirates have a, fi- a five-run lead on you. Keep smiling. Even though the Golden State Warriors certainly are not the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's not easy to close out a championship win, in Boston. What'd you say, Josh? Love the Cardinals win. Don't get me wrong. But would love to see him bring it home and seven against those guys. Totally. All right, Randy, are you ready to go? Ready. Against Josh, the defending champ here on The Fight. Randy, on this day in 1992, Ozzie Smith passed Roy McMillan for the all-time record of double plays turned as a shortstop. Who, 1,305, by the way, who currently holds the record? 1,305 for Ozzie. Um... So who played a lot of games and would have passed him? I will, uh, if I hear this name, I'm going to go with it. So do the lifeline. Cal Ripken Jr. No. Derek Jeter. Omar Vizcal. Omar Vizcal. Other than Kevin Durant's back-to-back NBA Finals MVPs and Andre Iguodala's surprise selection in 15, Mm -hmm. who's the only other Golden State Warrior to win the Finals MVP for the Golden State Warriors? Uh, so you had Durant, two, you had and one for the Golden State Warriors. So not the Philadelphia Warriors. I'm going to go with Rick Barry. Prior to Barry Bonds' run in San Francisco, what Major League Baseball legend held the record for most National League home runs from a lefty? Most National League home runs by a left-handed hitter. Well, you had Stan and Willie Stargell both at 475. 
Was it Jimmy Fox? Um, McCovey was up there. He was over 500. Um, let's see. Let's just go through this quickly. Um, Braves didn't really have anybody because Aaron was right-handed. Um, the Mets weren't around long enough. Phillies, I don't think so. Um, and then obviously the Marlins didn't have anybody. <laughs> um, Dodgers didn't have a home run hitter. Um, Giants, it would have been McCovey. It's like Peyton calling yeah. the audibles at the yeah, line. No Padres. Nate Colbert, um, but he didn't. I think he was right-handed here anyway. Um, I so this is a coin flip here for me uh, between McCovey. I'm going to go with uh, Big Stretch Willie McCovey. And this year's Stanley Cup final between the Lightning and the Avalanche is only the second matchup in Big Four sports history between two teams without an S at the end of their name. Hmm. What other league's final had the first such instance? What other league besides the NHL? Well, I think the, the NFL has S's at the end of all of theirs, and you couldn't have a White Sox-Red Sox final. So I'm thinking that you might have had like a, well, the Jazz only played the Bulls. The Heat? Who did the Heat play? Mavericks, Spurs? Uh, It almost had to be the NBA because it couldn't be the NFL. And it wouldn't be Major League Baseball because every team in the National League ends with an S. So I'm going to say NBA. Did Josh defend his title? Is he coming back tomorrow for a chance at the Hall of Fame? Or did Randy do Mega Mind things? Matt, ring the bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non commission based sales force and hassle free warranty. Just win, baby. Sorry, Josh. Randy got the jack. He got all four correct. He beat you four to two. You beat him four to two yesterday. He beat you four to two today. Uh, he returned the favor and, and then some today. <laughs> yes, he did. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing, Josh. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much, and uh, have a great rest of your week. All right. On this day in 1992, Ozzy Smith uh, had the all-time record of double plays turned as a shortstop. He uh, went into number one there, 1,305. Omar Vizquel currently holds the record, 1,703. 34 double plays turned as a shortstop. Other than Kevin Durant's back-to-back NBA Finals appearance and Andre Iguodala's surprise selection in 2015, the only other Golden State Warrior to win Finals MVP is Rick Barry, 1975. How about that? How about that? You know, he did underhand free throws. So much respect for him. Granny free throws. Nice. But a great, great shooter from the floor. Yeah. Prior to Barry Bonds run in San Francisco, Willie McCovey held the record for most National League home runs from a lefty, 521. 521. Pretty good. This year's Stanley Cup final between the Lightning and Avalanche is only the second matchup in Big Four sports history between two team names without an S at the end. The other league final that had this happen was the NBA. It was the Thunder versus the Heat. Thunder versus the Heat. There you go. Randy, back on top. There we go. 
hey, Michelle, people need to download the app here at 101 ESPN, and they can win big money. But if you sign up, you can get all kinds of cool stuff like a grand or a Traeger grill. A grand isn't a $1,000. $1,000. Just for downloading a free app, you could get $1,000. so easy. I have the app on my phone. So do I. I listen to it all the time. I do, too. And it's loaded with a ton of awesome giveaways. So even if you're already an app member, you can still win the $1,000. And if you don't have it, just download it to to get registered. Win the $1,000 in cash, a portable Traeger grill, a rolling Yeti cooler, a signed Ryan O'Reilly blues jersey, and much more. And now, are we able to win these things? Can I download the app? Can I delete and re-download? Am I entered to win? No, because you're an employee of the station. However, you don't need to delete and re-download the state the the app. If you already have it, you're you're good to go. All the contests are going on right now on the 101 mobile app, and we're going to be honest. We're trying to beat the other stations in the building, trying to get more app downloads than they have. So it's a contest between. That's why we're giving away the thousand dollars so that we can win the contest against the other stations. All right. So if you haven't downloaded the app, even if you're never going to use it, just download it and sign up so that we can get credit for it and we can give somebody the thousand dollars and we can win the contest. We want to give you a thousand dollars. We want to give you a trigger, but mostly we want you to help us get bragging rights in the hallway. Yeah. If you're listening, hopefully you like us and you're part of us. We're all the mm-hmm. we're all the BLIS, right? We're all kind of the character and Smallman crew. So if we win, you also get bragging rights. So if you see somebody that you know that's listening, I don't know why, to the arch in the morning instead of us, you can you can give them the business because we win. I get why you would listen to Chris Convey because he's allegedly a comedian and you might be waiting for him to say something funny. But <laughs> Look, just we're more fun. We're we're good people here. One con one convy was fine. Two, Two convies yeah. is beyond the pale. Yeah, it's that's a lot of convies in the building. So anyway, download the 101 ESPN app. Do it right now. I mean, let's just take a beat. One, two, go ahead. Go to your app store. Type it in. Download it. So simple. Appreciate y'all. Uh, coming up next on 101 ESPN, our friend Mike Claiborne will join us. He's got a lot of things going on, including. Klabe's online, and he joins us next on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy, we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on this Father's Day week, and one of the great girl dads that I know is Mike Claiborne, who's with us now, as he is every Tuesday on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Of course, there's ClaibsOnline.com, there's the Joe West 5460 podcast, and there's Cardinal Baseball, so Mike is a busy man. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I am doing well, and we have one other thing to add to uh, the busy list. Uh, there's, going, there's a documentary that's going to premiere on Saturday on the History Channel. Uh, it's produced by LeBron James's company, and uh, it's called Life After Jackie. And um, I've seen excerpts from it, haven't seen the whole thing. I was part of it back in, I guess, February. And, man, it's uh, it, it's cardinal-driven in a lot of different ways because of Gibson and Brock and Bill White and Flood, people like that. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and if anybody's looking to have something to do on Saturday night after the Cardinals uh, win, uh, you might want to check it out. What, how were you involved, Clibs? I was one of the people they interviewed. Nice. Okay, we'll definitely have to yeah. check that out. That sounds you great. Know, so, uh, so it was cool. I had I had a lot of fun with it. Man, those things take forever. <laughs> they want to do this and do that and put some makeup on. And I'm like, look, I'm good. We don't need that. We're all right. <laughs> 
And Mike, the organization does have an amazing history when you go back to Kurt Flood and Lou Brock and Bob Gibson and then uh, the, the, especially the teams in the 80s that uh, uh, changed baseball with, with Whitey Ball. In terms of having minorities and having Afri- African Americans on the ball club, St. Louis post-Jackie, the, the Cardinals do have a great history. Yeah, they really do. I mean, and they've always found a way to to be inclusive compared to some other organizations. And, uh, you know, we've got the great players to show it. I mean, you know, you, you talk about some of the guys you mentioned. You can go to the 80s, and then there's Vince Coleman, there's a Ray Langford, you know, uh, Willie McGee. I mean, there's so many guys that we've seen over the years that have had a legitimate impact not only on the team but the game. Clibs, this Cardinals team is so fun to watch. They climb out of a, a five-run deficit last night to beat the Pirates. And Randy and I were talking earlier in the show, they they have so much young talent right now. It's almost like musical chairs. You don't really know what to do with so many guys. And Paul DeYoung is throwing his name back into the mix. He's uh, kind of found himself again in the minors since the end of May, eight home runs. He is leading all AAA hitters over the last month. When do you think Paul DeYoung might come back up to the Cardinals? That's a great question. Everybody whispers to Ali Marmel uh, with regard to, you know, everybody's letting him know. And, and it's not just, you know, Ali, obviously, Mo knows as well. Uh, it's a good question. But I think the question really is, uh, who's going to play? I mean, if you bring him up, he's got to play, right? Right. You've already said Gorman's got to play. Mm-hmm. So, and Tommy Edmonds, one of your be- best infielders on the team, uh, other than Goldschmidt and Arnado. And then there's a guy named Brendan Donovan who, you know, warrants some time on the field also. So the, the challenge is how do you get everybody in the lineup? You know, you've got some flexibility with the DH, but at this point it, it's a very it's, – it's good trouble, I guess is what I would say. It's, good, it's a good problem to have right now. Um, but it's going to be something that they're going to have to come to a, a decision on here, I would think, within the next week or so. Um, you know, it, it's something that just can't linger like that. And maybe they're waiting on somebody to cool off. Who do you think, if no one does cool off Claves, would be the first person to go if Paul DeYoung was to come back up? Well, that's, that's, you know, I guess, you know, when you look at a guy like Sosa, because you've got three guys that can play shortstop and DeYoung, Edmund, and also uh, Brendan Donovan, uh, those guys will be people that, you know, you can count on there. And, you know, Sosa can play short and third. Uh, but I, I would think because he hasn't hit like those guys are hitting, that might be a casualty there. Or, you know, maybe somebody comes up with a phantom injury. <laughs> Klaibs, I'll tell you what. If I'm another team, and I don't care if I'm a winning team or losing team this year, but I have bad defense and it's part of the reason that I'm losing, I'm calling the Cardinals about DeYoung. Oh, I agree with you, Randy. I, I think that you have to kick the tires on him. Um, you know, I, I think what they want to probably see is, okay, he, he hit minor league pitching pretty well. What can he do at the big league level on a consistent basis? You know, is his swing different? Is he getting himself out? Is he giving away a bat? And I think they want to see that on a big league level for a couple of weeks before they actually make the phone call and see what might be available. Uh, and, you know, they may ask about some other people, but I think the young would probably be the most readily available. Because, you know, Donovan, you're not going to move him because he doesn't cost you anything. And Tommy Edmond is in that same situation. Uh, and they're versatile. They can play multiple positions. So uh, DeYoung would be an interesting uh, asset for someone to take a look at. And by the way, if the Cardinals, all they have to do now is wait another month and a half. And 
he's under contract for next year. If they're going to go out and get a pitcher who's under contract for next year at the trade deadline, he might be a good chip for that, too, to offset some of the salary that you take back from Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> See how he just sneaks that in there, Claves? Just roll that one in there. You know, Bumgarner wants out of Arizona. I know that. Uh, He's made that clear to multiple people that, you know, that's probably not a place he's going to finish his career. Uh, You know, I I have to be careful with him. Is he a guy that's just not very good on a bad team, or is he a guy that just needs a shot in the arm? Because I think the bottom line with him is velocity and location. His velocity's dropped dramatically over the years, mm-hmm. but his location is something that he's probably become better at. So that's a guy certainly you would kick the tires on, and you know we we probably need another left-hander because we don't know what the mat situation is going to bring us. You know, whenever you talk about a shoulder injury, you have to be more cautious. And the Cardinals are being that along with Stephen Max. I know he threw flat ground the other day, but flat ground compared to getting in the rotation, we're a long ways away from that. If you don't think so, ask Jack Flaherty. So it's one of those issues that you you need some guys, and I know Mo talked about it the other day. You don't win divisions, or you don't get in postseason in April and May, but you really start to put your team together in June. Hence the reason Flag Day, which we're not celebrating today for the opening day of the season because of the lockout. We moved it back to <laughs> July fourth. So, but you know, my point being, and I think this is a classic reason on why this is a date on the calendar that, that does have significance. As I've said before. You have hot streaks. You have cold streaks. You have surprises in Donovan and Epez and some other guys who have come up and made, it, made an uh, impact. You have concerns or disappointments, whether it's Corey Dickerson or DeYoung and people who have not lived up to the expectation. And then you have, you know, players that you are trying to figure out, okay, this guy, this is where we want him to be. And so you have all those things you roll into one, and at that point you say, okay, this is what we need. And you still have time to get it. Let's face it. There are some teams that feel like um, they're out of the. Uh, we, we say, well, you know, Pittsburgh can't win or Cincinnati can't win. You know, probably not. But double digits being out of first place does not eliminate you in June. And I think the Cardinals were a good example of that last year when they mm-hmm. ran off 17 in a row. Now, granted, I'm not sure if anybody's going to do that, although Atlanta thinks they can. Uh, it still says that you still have a chance. But you have to your decision though. If you're double digits out, you probably make that decision on whether you think you're in it or not. Where you can move assets, you probably make that decision sooner than some other teams who, if they get hot, they have the skill set to be able to really compete. Claves, one of the flag day surprises is the mustache man, Matt Carpenter. He hit 176 in 2020 and 2021. 28 days ago, he's in the minor leagues. Now he's in Yankees history. Six home runs in his first 10 games. We knew that uh, Matt Carpenter had lost a step here with the Cardinals. And that coupled with some bad luck, it was just not working out for him. He went on a big quest this offseason to find himself again, to fix himself. But are you surprised with what we're seeing out of Matt Carpenter right now? Yes, I am. Um, I don't think anybody envisioned Matt Carpenter having this sort of run. And as you mentioned, he in the offseason, he was going to fix himself. And, you know, that was an annual statement. I mean, if he's not working with a new hitting coach, he's working with his dad, I'm not going to wear – I'm going to wear batting gloves. I mean, there was – I'm going to get stronger, I'm going to lose weight. I mean, every year there was some sort of maintenance or some sort of enhancement with regard to trying to be better that we heard from Matt Carpenter. So – when he went home this year, we kind of thought he was done. I mean, there was no no evidence 
that would tell you that Matt Carpenter was going to be playing like he is by the what we saw over the last three and a half years. You would you'd say there's no way we you know we've seen everything. He's tried everything, and all of a sudden he finds his way. He gets in the right situation, and uh, he's having a good year. And I couldn't be happier for him because I thought Matt Carpenter was a really good Cardinal. Uh, he, he was never short on putting the work in, and I think that's something that you appreciate. He was good on and off the field, so good for him, and I hope he's part of this lineup when he comes to St. Louis. Mike, when you and I were a lot younger, we'd walk into the Cardinal broadcast booth at the old ballpark on a day like today, and Jack Buck would have a bucket full of ice water that he'd have his feet in. Remember that? And the players would get a cabbage. Players would get a uh, cabbage and put a slice of cabbage in their cap. Oh, man. Uh, Jack would have a big tub of water. He'd have his pants legs rolled up, and he'd have his feet in them. Mike had his own method of trying to cool off. I mean, everybody was scrambling at that point. Uh, I think we have more fans than you'd see in Walgreens right now. <laughs> I mean, we've got fans everywhere blowing in our booth, man. I mean, and, and some people are still uncomfortable. So it, it is, and I don't know, Randy, I think the older you get, you sense and feel the heat more. Because remember, we were kids. We'd run around and it'd be 134 degrees. And be like, all right, I want to go back outside. I'm going to have some Kool-Aid. I'm going to have something to drink. And I'm going to go back outside. Yeah. And how about when we were given salt tablets of all things back in the day, you know, so it's changed a great deal, but I think age has had a lot more to do with it. I think as we get older, we like to complain about things. No doubt. And I I, I, I think weather is one of the common factors, common conversation factors that everybody likes to talk about. You're right. I think we like complaining. And when we were out playing ball as kids, we didn't think about the sun actually burning our skin. Now I get outside no. and, and I feel my skin burning. I didn't when I was playing ball as a kid. <laughs> no, you know, again, kids, man, they they didn't they could care less. And remember, they wouldn't even give you water. No, you'll cramp up if you have water. I mean, so the, we've gone through this evolution of yeah. how to take better care of ourselves, and boy, weren't we done? Gene man. Yeah, you know, I love the man, but I wasn't going to play for him, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, I need to go back for a second, guys. Cabbage on top of the head. What was the thought process there? Michelle, you know what? I have no idea. I have no understanding (laughs) of why people would do it. I mean, you know, we had people putting aluminum foil in their shoes and their cleats. All all that did was have the the metal cleats warm up even more for your feet. I mean, guys, they would take the shoes off and the feet would be swollen and puffy. And, you know, we were just throwing stuff on the walls back then. And then think about AstroTurf. Yeah. If you you never played on AstroTurf, you have no If you think it's hot on the field now, you should come play on it. Willie McGee and I were talking about that yesterday. About you know, it, it feels like you you gone from being in a furnace to another. Yeah, I was telling okay. Ollie too. It, it was just brutal. Mike, Mike it was uh, you know because you saw the thermometers down there just like I did. And I I was an usher, so I had my feet down on that. But it was between literally 140 and 150 degrees on that turf. You, you know, you'd say, oh well, the sun walking on the sun can't be much worse. I mean, that's how you felt about <laughs> it. It was just it was un, un, unbearable with regard to the things that we dealt with that we thought were okay. Yeah, right. Now you couldn't pay a guy to go out there and do that. Well, you could. You had to pay him about $15, $20 million and hope he could hit two sixty. Yeah. You'll have to ask Joe West how he stayed cool behind home plate on days like Ooh, yeah. today in St. Louis on a future podcast, the Joe West 5460 well, podcast. We're going to have uh, Joe Buck on tomorrow, and um, 
we're recording Joe Buck and also Jason Worth tomorrow. So all between the three of those guys, they'll all have some stories on how they try to stay cool. And I'm sure Joe will tell some of those stories about his dad, as you mentioned. If, folks, you had to see it to believe it. He'd have a big thing of ice and big bucket, and he'd have his feet in. He'd have it on a good pair of slacks roll-up shirt, barely open, barely buttoned. <laughs> Here's the pitch. I mean, it was it was amusing. If, if, it was if anything. Let me before you go, Mike. One more thing. It was days like this, literally 140 again on the turf, and Jack would start the pregame show by saying, "Good afternoon, everyone. Nice warm day here at the ballpark, and it's 140 degrees. <laughs> Slight breeze blowing through the ballpark. And you remember it was you know it, it was they had all that concrete." And as Casey Stengel said, it holds the heat well. Yeah. I mean, that was a that was a furnace pit, man. It was it was it was something. I'm glad I survived. Let's just put it that way. No doubt about it. Claims always good to talk to you. Thanks so much. Have a great day at the ballpark. We'll be tuned in, and we'll talk to you next week. And Happy Father's Day. And same to you, sir, and uh, all the other fathers out there listening. Uh, it's it's a great day for us to hang out with our kids and. Uh, Hopefully we have kids that think enough of us to call us or have a nice gift for us as long as it's not another tie. <laughs> exactly. We'll see you later. That is the great Mike Claiborne on 101 ESPN. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, are these Cardinals whitey ball born again with pitching and defense, or are they more cardiac cards? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at SNPartners.com. Nine oh eight in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Michelle, while we will never relive what we did in the eighties with Whitey Ball when the Cardinals were stealing two or even three hundred bases, one of the things Mike Schilt referenced in his interview with Bob Nightingale in spring training is that he had restored the fundamentals of mm-hmm. Cardinal baseball. And right now, the Cardinals have the number two defense in Major League Baseball, and they have the second most stolen bases, and they're pitching well. and Whitey Ball was built on pitching, defense, and speed. That really, to me, is the Cardinal way. And you look at a game like last night with the the great defense, and there was some really good base running, and that doesn't entail only stolen bases. I do think that in this era that the Cardinals are doing as well as a team can in trying to emulate that style of ball. Nobody's going to do that again because everybody's planning on hitting home runs. Yes, they but are. I, I think the Cardinals, the way they play ball is, with the way things are set up, really, really solid. Which makes them an exciting team to watch mm-hmm. and an entertaining team to watch. Isn't that what we talk about all the time when we have our maybe quarterly how to fix baseball conversation is we need to see more athleticism athleticism in baseball. We need to see these guys speed. We need to see the spectacular mm-hmm. defensive plays. The Cardinals have all of that. And think about that. In the outfield, you have three guys that can make spectacular plays, mm-hmm. that have good arms, that can run and make catches. Your third baseman is a circus over there. It's unbelievable. <laughs> the first baseman is 
he is the gold glove first baseman in the National League. There's no doubt about it. But I think Goldie at times make things, makes things he's so smooth. He makes it look so easy that we don't appreciate the greatness over there at first. I could not agree more. Like I said earlier in the show, I was thinking about this last night. This is the season that's always going to be remembered for Albert, Wayno, and Yachty getting together, the three of them, for one last ride together as a trio. But I hope we are appreciating and savoring the greatness of Paul Goldschmidt. He is not flashy. He is not going to give you a big personality or a big soundbite after after the game. But he's one of the great Cardinals that we've seen, Randy. I mean, you're right. He's so good and so smooth and so consistent that it's almost like a footnote in the game sometimes because we are so we're we're almost numb to it because we're so conditioned to seeing him do the things that he does. But how many little plays does he make at first base that might not be demonstrative or might not be that big of a deal that we kind of let go by the wayside that are mm-hmm. unbelievable. And maybe we need to think back to when Jose Martinez was manning yeah, first right, base right. and how we haven't talked about whoa, defensive. Whoa, whoa. Oh man. <laughs> Love him. Love Jose Martinez. Glad that era is over. Yeah, Glad no that era. But, but think about going back to that period for, for, first baseman in Cardinal history and how we haven't even discussed it. He never makes a mistake. When's the last time we talked about Paul Goldschmidt making a, a, mis- a mistake of any kind? Never. It's never happened. Never. No. We've never talked no. about it. And then you look at the middle infield and the Cardinals are fortunate that they have great teachers in people like Stubby Clapp and Skip Schumacher for the infielders, Willie McGee for the outfielders. Obviously, Ollie is a great teacher as well, but Mike Shannon would... Ref- Jose Okenda was a secret weapon. That's what Tommy Edmond would be because you can play him anywhere. He's Tommy Edmond is a better version of Jose Okendo because he can run and he can hit. I was trying to think of a nickname for him last night because we love nicknames on the show. And I was thinking, okay, he can do it all. What's what's a device or something mm-hmm. that can do it all? I was thinking about an iPhone. It's kind of like an iPhone, but that's not a cool nickname. Mm-hmm. You don't want to call someone the iPhone. He is the secret weapon because a lot of other fan bases would overlook somebody like Tommy yep. Edmond who's got the highest war in baseball. But he's not a Paul Goldschmidt or a Nolan Arenado, so so other people might not appreciate everything that he's contributing to the Cardinals night in and night out. But I can't believe how you can just move him from position to position and he does not miss a beat. And he has no problem with it. No. He, he said he's done it all his life. He's he's moved around. He's played a lot of shortstop. And we were talking to Tommy the other night at uh, Adam Wainwright's event, and he said, no, there's really nothing. And I said, what, what, what about the chemistry with the second baseman? He said, that's no, just something you deal with on a day-to-day basis. We practice. It's, it's not a problem at all. No big so deal. It's, it's really cool to have the team playing really good, clean Cardinal baseball because I'm convinced baseball circa 2022, with very few exceptions, if you play clean baseball and play great defense and run the bases and don't run into outs, if you do that, the other team eventually is going to beat themselves. If you do the right things, eventually the other team is going to screw up. And, and it, Unless it's last June and your offense doesn't do anything. Right. Does absolutely nothing. That was pretty bad. And the pitching wasn't great. No, it wasn't. But that gets exactly what we were saying in in the previous segment. You know, that's how you're going to win some of these. That's why they're going to win some of these games late is because eventually the other team's going to make the mistake. But the Cardinals, fundamentally, defensively, base running, those little things, they're going to take the the parts of the margin of the game and they're going to win games there that other teams aren't. Relievers... Mm -hmm. 
they're not used to checking the runners in the same way. We saw it against the Cincinnati Reds. Just they, they they go to check the runner one time and they sky it because it's just not a usual thing. That's the repetition. I think in the same way it was twenty even twenty years ago. And the Cardinals are taking advantage of it. This is how you win games by building your style to what your roster is and That's, not trying to fit square pegs into round holes, which I think was a problem for the Cardinals for a long time there. Right. That's the key. It's an organizational philosophy to play the game the right way. That's Matthew. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, Chris Jericho in town for some wrestling. We're going to talk to the former St. Louisan next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Father's Day week, it's Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Character, and All Elite Wrestling returns to St. Louis tomorrow night at Chaffetz Arena, and there are still tickets available at AEWTix.com. And we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and one of the more one of the most acclaimed performers in wrestling history, Chris Jericho, joins us here on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Chris, thanks so much for your time this morning. How's it going? Always a blast to come back to St. Louis, man. My former home. I used to live in Chesterfield. Yeah, I, I wanted to, to get into that a little bit. First of all, what do you remember? You were very young when you were here. Yeah, my dad played for the St. Louis Blues from 75 to 77, so... Um, I remember living in Chesterfield, and they were just developing the neighborhood, and they told us not to play in the uh, construction site. So, of course, I was playing in the construction site <laughs> and fell into a basement and had a nail stuck in my head. Oh, my That's God. That's I remember with St. Louis. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> so, yeah, that, but wow. that built some toughness for you in, in, in your current business, right? It did. I never took it out. It's still in there right now. You can actually feel that you, uh, if you tap onto it hard. <laughs> Amazing, Chris. Well, you mentioned your dad played for the Blues. I'm sure you have some stories about living in St. Louis and growing up around the rink. Are there any particular players outside of your dad that you remember seeing when you were growing up? I remember uh, Bobby Plager gave me my first cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I remember Gilles, Gilles Marat uh, put me in a garbage can <laughs> in the dressing room. And this is actually kind of a, a, a more of a sad story, but if you know about the St. Louis Blues lore, I was at Gary Unger's house when Bob Gassoff died mm-hmm. in, a, in a, a motorcycle accident. It was the uh, party end-of-the-year party uh, after the season ended, and Gary Unger, who at the time was one of the greatest players, still one of the greatest players in St. Louis history, at his, at his ranch. He had a kind of a ranch set up, and I remember everyone kind of went silent, what's wrong, and we heard, we heard that, uh, that Bob Gassoff had passed away. So I was actually there when that happened, way back in 1976 or 77, whenever it was. Wow, what a story, Chris. But I, of course, have to circle back to Bobby Plager giving you your first cigarette. How (laughs) old were you? How did this go down? (laughs) I don't remember. I I was six or seven years old. I just remember he he said, you want to try a cigarette? Like, that's how it was back in the 70s. It's like you're a kid in the dress room. You uh, tried cigarettes and drank beer and just fit in with the guys. Got put in a garbage can. Like, I remember that one vividly got put in a garbage can. So... Cigarettes and garbage cans, man. That's what I remember from growing up in the uh, locker rooms of the, of the 70s St. Louis Blues. Awesome. Chris Jericho with us on 101 ESPN, All Elite Wrestling in town at Chaffetz Arena tomorrow. And you can just go to All Elite Wrestling and learn more at AllEliteWrestling.com. What's it been like for you being on the ground floor 
of a new venture like All Elite. It's it's not a very old venture, but uh, you're making it what what it is. What's it like for you? Well, you're right. It's not very old. We're only just three years old, but uh, we've just gone through the roof um, since we started. It just showed that there was room for an alternative uh, wrestling uh, wrestling company, and fans were looking for something a little different. And we took a chance. You know, in, 19, in 2019, we took a chance in starting this company, Tony Khan and myself, and, I mean, you know, a couple of the guys. But we thought that there was a chance that we could do something with it. And right out of the gate, we uh, we just went through the roof. So it's been really cool to see that our, our, our hunch paid off. And now, you know, the ratings the, the that we're drawing, the demos we're drawing, the, the crowds that are coming to our shows, it's it's the hottest wrestling company in the world today. And we're very proud that, you know, I'm proud that I was there from the start and proud to still be a big part of it, you know, three years later in 2022. Well, Chris, it's hair versus hair, the road rager tomorrow, <laughs> you versus Ortiz. Tell us about your opponent. What can you expect out of him? Well, it's a great story. We, we started, you mentioned 2019, the, the, the biggest faction when AEW started, was the Inner Circle, both as bad guys and good guys. And Ortiz was, was one of the members of the Inner Circle. And we had a big breakup uh, about six, seven months ago. And, you know, kind of now gotten to the point where we decided uh, hair versus hair was a great way to settle it. So um, I went through my archives. I've kept a list of every single match I've ever had. And this is my third hair versus hair match. I had one wow. in 1993, one in 2003, and now one in 2022. And I'm undefeated and hair versus hair matches, so I don't intend to, uh, as much as I love the city of St. Louis, I'm not going to leave my hair there. I might leave my heart in St. Louis, but I'm not leaving my hair in St. Louis. Hey, hey, when you're in your business, and not only, by the way, are you an acclaimed wrestler, but you're a lead singer for a rock band, you can't be messing around with the flow, Chris, right? Well, that's the thing. It's kind of I'm kind of known for, for my hair, even throughout the years in wrestling, and obviously with Fozzie as well, and um, so it, it puts a little bit more intrigue onto the story and we don't have these matches very often. Nobody really does. So there's a lot at stake to it. So, uh, and there's a real perverse attraction that people have to seeing somebody get their head shaved bald. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're, we're almost sold out tomorrow night. I'm sure we will be by the time the show starts. Like you mentioned, there's still some tickets left, but not many. And I think one of the reasons for that is people are like, Ooh, we get to see somebody shave their head. Well, let's do it. <laughs> So, um, you know, I'm planning that it's not going to be Chris Jericho because, like you said, I have a reputation, and, and, and Ortiz cut a little bit of my hair a few weeks ago in Los Angeles, and I told him that that, that six-inch piece of hair that you cut is worth more than your entire AEW contract. So <laughs> tread lightly, my friend. Uh, Chris, you mentioned Fozzie, your band. I want to go back to the blues era. It sounds like Cigarettes and Garbage Cans is the nice name of a new album. That are a punk rock band, like an avant-garde, yeah. uh, talking heads, uh, cigarette. Yeah, we actually, yeah, we, we just finished our tour a few weeks ago, a month ago or so, at Pops, of course, the famous, uh, famous venue in Sage just across the river from from, from St. Louis. So we played quite a few great shows in St. Louis. It's, it's a great town for Pops, so we always love playing playing in your area. Tougher travel schedule, pro wrestling or a band. Well, now the wrestling schedule is, is, is lightened up. That's one of the great things about AEW is we, we, we are a television company. We don't do what you would call the live events. So we're basically once a week. Um, well, you know, we were in the West Coast for 10 days because we had a show, you know, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Friday. So we're usually once a week. Sometimes we do more than that. Uh, and with Fozzie, we're touring usually five shows a week with two days off in the middle. So 
I mean, there's pros and cons of both. Um, but I'm at the level now where, where you, you're not really, uh, you know, uh, you're not really, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You're not really like, you know, in poverty when you're traveling on either, uh, on either, either genre, shall we say. So both are good. Both uh, are busy, but both pay off when you do the shows. Chris, I was reading a lot about you last night, and you have accomplished so much, not only in the wrestling world where you've won so many championships, you're such a decorated wrestler, you've been in video games, television, movies, you're in a band, you have such an unbelievable resume. Is there something that you haven't done yet that you really want to? A lot of these things just kind of come across my proverbial desk, and and I just decide whether I want to do them or not. When I was a kid, I wanted to be in a rock band, and I wanted to be a wrestler, and those are kind of my two main, you know, vocations. But then, you know, podcasting and writing books and all that other stuff, it's just time management. We have, we you spend a lot of time, you know, just doing nothing when you, when you have shows, you know, for free, you know, dynamite, for example, the show starts at eight and then there at two. So the perfect time is to start the day by doing a podcast with somebody. Um, so, you know, I do a lot of different things, but it's all time management and just putting things in the right spot in the right position. And uh, it always seems to work out. So long story short, I, I, you know, I never said I want to be the host of a giant uh, fighting robot combat league. But I was a few years ago when, when that, you know, when that opportunity came, came uh, across to me. So I, I just kind of take the opportunities that come and the ones that I think are interesting. I do them and the ones that I think aren't interesting. I don't. So we shall see what comes up next. And you were telling us some of the stories about uh, growing up as Ted Irvine's son, and you mentioned the podcast. You've had your kids on your podcast. You have uh, three three kids. What's it like having them be able to participate, essentially, in what you do? Well, that was before they were teenagers. My mm-hmm. son used to be really uh, involved. He really was interested in fish, so I used to have him on talking about different fish, and my daughters are into reading, so we had a little book club kind of meeting. And then when they become teenagers, they're they're absolutely mortified <laughs> to hear themselves on tape, and they don't want to have anything to do with uh, with Dad at that point. So, um, But that's just the way it is. I remember when I was a kid, my dad was just my dad. I didn't think it was even all that much of a big deal that he played in the NHL. And of course, now, you know, as you grow older, you realize just how cool it is and how hard that is to do. So, you know, I'm one of his biggest fans from going back and reading all the clippings and watching all the videos on YouTube and that sort of thing. So my kids will be the same, I'm sure. Right now, I'm cool when they find out that I know Snoop Dogg or Shaq or that I've appeared on Hot Wings. Uh, those types of things make me cool. But just being on TV every week in front of millions of people is just standard operating procedure at this part, point. Chris, are your kids less likely to disobey you after they've seen you in the ring? Yeah, it's not that way. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I love when people go like, "Hey, don't body slam me, Chris." You know, you're in line at the grocery store. You don't want your body slam me. Like, it's just I'm just running around randomly beating people uh, if they cross me. You know, oh, you better not drop that litter on the ground because I'll keep pick you up and suplex you. You better watch it. I'm a violent psycho that's going to fight at any moment. So. Not really the case. I mean, I think yeah, I think every dad or every mom has uh, has that little bit of intimidation about them if you are the proper type of parent. But I don't threaten to put them through a table if they don't finish their vegetables. <laughs> Chris Jericho, your great AEW Dynamite Rampage tomorrow at Chaffetz Arena. People can get tickets at AEWTicks.com. And I know that you make it back to St. Louis pretty much, and we're glad that you're here again where it all started with the cigarettes and trash cans. So here's some trash. It's actually my baseball bat that I use. I named it Floyd because I was looking for a random name. And I actually named it after Floyd Thompson. 
St. Louis Blues defenseman White Pine. his own tongue once. Yep, you... I, like, I never forgot that. So there you go. So St. Louis uh, is in my DNA, both uh, as life and in wrestling as well. Love it. Chris Jericho, thanks so much for the time. Have a great time here in St. Louis and have a happy Father's Day. Thanks, man. We'll see you tomorrow night. Someone's getting a head shave, Bob, in St. Louis. <laughs> and it's not going to be you. <laughs> not going to be me. <laughs> we'll Thanks, see guys. you later. Take care. That is Chris Jericho. Great to have him with us on 101 ESPN. I do think, though, if you made Chris Jericho the deputy of littering and he had to, you get pulled over because you were littering and it's Chris Jericho that comes to the window, I think you're less likely to litter again. I would say that he'd be somewhat intimidating. I would think so. Yeah. He was fun. Good to have him with us on 101 ESPN. And again, at Schaefitz tomorrow, AEWTix.com. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. Michelle, it would take a half hour for the fast lane to play their lineup game today for the day game. Oh, but really? We've got it. Okay, let's hear it. So I'm just going to give it to you. Yeah, we let's are, hear it. We are going to guess. Uh, leading off in right field is Brendan Donovan. Okay. Your number two hitter at second base is Nolan Gorman. Your number three hitter is your designated hitter, Paul Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. Number four, third base, is Nolan Arenado. He's your cleanup hitter. O'Neill in left, hitting fifth. Albert is at first base in the opener. Okay, And hitting Love that. sixth. Bader in center field, hitting seventh. Yachty is your catcher for the day game, hitting eighth. And Edmundo Sosa is your shortstop today for the day game, hitting ninth. Look at that. So there's your lineup. Yep. Donovan Gorman, Goldie, Arenado, O'Neill, Pujols, Bader, Molina, Sosa, Goldie, DHing, and Albert at first. And it's time for. You're killing me, Smalls. Some big news coming out of St. Louis City SC. Randy, they continue to make big time hires, and everything they do is a slam dunk, just like this is. Mastermind, who's a local St. Louis artist, he's a hip hop artist, hometown legend, very cool, creative guy. He is joining St. Louis City SC as their director of musical experience. How cool is that? Uh, just the things that they think of. It's unbelievable. So they're going to get fans involved, Mastermind and City SC. They want to curate the sound of St. Louis City SC and the sound of what our MLS team is going to sound like. There's an online submission uh, that you can participate in, St. Louis City SC. Um, favorite emerging STL-made artists. There's going to be a workshop planned later this summer. But every ounce of this experience, they want it to be very tailored to St. Louis. And bringing Mastermind in, in as the director of musical experience is another step forward in that direction. It seems simple, but it's obviously been difficult for other St. Louis entities and probably around the country, other entities to emulate. But this is going to be like all 100% St. Louis. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be great. But you think about the sounds of a stadium and how important that can be. Mm -hmm. Think about how we sing country roads at Enterprise Center or certain songs that you Uh, a tribute to certain venues like Sweet Caroline with the Red Sox. There's going to be things that we as fans might not even think about that they've already curated for us that are going to become a big time part of our game day experience. And to have somebody actually in charge of the musical experience is a smart move. Who's so very St. Louis. Totally. Right. It's awesome. That's great. 
You're killing me, Smalls. So, Randy, Lamar Jackson, he doesn't have a new contract. He skipped the voluntary OTAs for the Ravens, but he was back yesterday at the Ravens facilities for um, their their workouts that they have right now. And a lot of people didn't know if he was going to show up, and he's there. Lamar Jackson back in the fold. I love Lamar Jackson. I think he's great. But I can't give Lamar Jackson Patrick Mahomes money. And Patrick Mahomes has been to a couple of Super Bowls. He's won one. And I'm not going to blame Lamar Jackson, although he didn't play great, hasn't played great in playoff games that they have lost, although he's played well in playoff games that they've lost. But the other part of this is that I'm really concerned, and he was hurt last year, I'm really concerned about his ability to play for the long term. If I'm going to give Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes signed for 10 years, mm-hmm. $500 million, and I a lot of that is guaranteed. I don't know that I can guarantee Lamar Jackson five years. I know they're going to have to, but I would have reservations about it if I were the Ravens too. If I'm Lamar Jackson or his representation, I'm looking at what Deshaun Watson got in Cleveland. Yep. And I am going to the Ravens and saying, we're not taking a penny less than what this guy got. Has he been an MVP? Mm-hmm. Has he done what Lamar Jackson has done? And not to mention, Lamar Jackson has no off-field issues and has been a great leader for the Ravens and has been in the community and all of that stuff. I'm not taking a penny less than what he got for the Browns. No. And that might not be realistic, but this is what the market dictates, you know? And, and the Browns certainly shifted things with what they gave to Deshaun, not only in the sum of the money, but how much of it was guaranteed. Absolutely. And I... I completely understand and I I agree with that sentiment but if I'm the Ravens and I see what happened to Robert Griffin the third an injury for a running quarterback ending his career I'm concerned I totally get both sides and I don't know how they reach a conclusion here because if ever there was like the definition of loggerheads this would seem to be it Right, I, I because I totally understand both sides' philosophies, and they're both right. Mm-hmm. No, for sure, <laughs> they are both right. I understand not wanting to put so much of your financial future in one person who might get injured, but also you're not going to win without him. Right, right, and so hey, you want to retain him. And Stephen Biscotti is a billionaire who, by the way, was the person who suggested a secret vote for the Rams. So I'm totally on Team Lamar here. Oh, he's the one that suggested a secret vote? Yep. At the behest of Jerry, but he did it. So it's really Jerry. Yeah, but Biscotti was complicit. I mean, look, what, look what franchise he owns. Yeah, they all were, though. Yeah. so They all were. They they all were, but he he he's Jerry's the puppeteer. It. He is, and Biscotti's a puppet, but still. Uh, I'm, I'm on Team Lamar here all the way because of that. I'm like, on Team Lamar anyway. It's like trusting the Colts or the Titans. They, they they know what they did to get where they are. You're killing me, Small. Speaking of Deshaun Watson getting all that guaranteed money, two more lawsuits. Looks like they're popping up. 26 now? 26. Tony Busby, who's representing the 24 women who have active lawsuits against Deshaun alleging sexual misconduct, said that he is expecting his firm to file a 25th and perhaps a 26th lawsuit against Deshaun Watson, quote, in due course. So two more could be coming against him. What a bad guy. Can you imagine the franchise that would give him $230 million guaranteed? It's just any entity. any doesn't have to be a football team, any radio station, any insurance company. Anybody that would give that guy with the knowledge of the allegations against him $230 million guaranteed, 
it's incomprehensible to me. I don't know what's worse that perhaps they did their research, the Cleveland Browns did on Deshaun and knew more of these allegations were coming and some of the things that came out in the New York Times, maybe they knew about some of this behavior and or saw some of the depositions and they signed him anyway, or that they just didn't even care at all and did zero research of their own. They said they were comfortable signing him, but I don't know what's worse, that you just blatantly don't care and all you care about is what he can do on a football field or that you did your research and you justified signing him after knowing what these women were alleging of him. And the details behind it. Wouldn't you think it's a combination of both? And they probably, my guess would be, did investigations, but only went so far in the investigation because they they wanted him so bad. They didn't want to find out everything. It's just like the NFL with the Ray Ray situation. They didn't want to find out everything. I wonder what it's like in the locker room. In the Cleveland Browns locker room, because you're a professional, you want to win. You know that he's a talented guy and probably improves your chances. And you just had all that drama with Baker Mayfield and you knew that he wasn't the right guy. So maybe you're thinking this is a chance for us to wipe the slate clean with somebody who wants a fresh start and he can come in here. But if you read that article or you've done any sort of digging on this at all and you have a woman in your life that you care about. I don't know how how you put your hand in the dirt next to that guy or you or you don't say something to him. Apparently one of the most popular players among the players on that team is Kareem Hunt, though. There you go. So I don't I don't know that they really care about that stuff. It's my sense. And if if the players don't care, the organization that that allows you to give them a contract. The only people that care are the fans, really. And guess what? The fans aren't going to care either. If he, if, he, if he wins, the fans won't carry it there, which right. is what makes this it. whole thing sad. You're killing me, Smalls! And finally, Randy, something that's not sad, and that's not a bummer, Coca-Cola and Jack Daniels have partnered up, and they're going to make a canned version of Jack and Coke. How have they not been, done this in the past? I thought that, too. How, of all the types of canned alcohol that we have, have we not had an official mm-hmm. Jack and Coke in a can? It just seems like such a no-brainer. The initial launch is planned in Mexico late this year. U.S. launch next year in 2023. Interesting. Good for Jack and good for Coke. Good for Jack and Coke. And Jack and Coke fans everywhere. Two great brands coming together. Yep. This is going to be dangerous. And another thing that you can get, by the way, at your local mobile on the run, which brings you your Killing Me Smalls. Your official You think that they'll be available there? Oh, Yeah. Now, there's also a zero sugar version that's going to be available. Do you think they'll have the zero sugar version? I would think they probably will. I I can't imagine them not having it. They have pretty much everything else at Mobile on the Run. Think about how many people are going to get a Yeti cooler, throw some ice in there, some Jack and Coke cans on ice. Yeah. Take a trip to the lake. Float trip. Big time. Yep. On a hot day like today, an ice cold Jack and Coke in a can. Is that a way to stay hydrated? Maybe. Why not? Just get some water. Wear some water. In yeah, there. yeah. Throw an ice cube in before you pour the next one. That's, <laughs> that's all you got to do. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. That's Michelle, and that is your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. We're going to head down the stretch towards a balloon party with T Mac and Ajax on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. One week from today. 
Ted and Company is going to be appearing at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. And 101 ESPN is your chance to win a pair of tickets to that said concert. It's at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater again next Tuesday, one week from today. Tickets on sale now. You can find a bonus chance to win free tickets for your Dead and Com- for Dead and Company right now at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. Or you can just text us right now for some free tickets. How's that sound, Michelle? Yeah, let's give away some tickets. A Sounds free, great. Free pair of tickets to see Dead and Company. And if you've been listening to the show, you will know the answer to this question. If you can be texter number 31. 31, that was the favorite number of one Max Scherzer. At what age did Brad Scherzer first think that Max was a special athlete? At what age did Brad Scherzer, Max's dad, first think he was a special athlete? Texture number 31, Max's favorite number, to 65780, gets a pair of tickets to, De- to Dead & Company. Hint. Very young. He was pretty darn young at that point. <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, Michelle, this will be... A big doubleheader for the Cardinals. It's hard to sweep a doubleheader. It's hard to sweep a team that's even as bad as the Pirates are. But they're still major league players, and that's one of the things we have to keep in mind. And they're going to be trying to win today, too. And it's it's so important, I think, for the Cardinals to win this first one. I would assume that Kisner is going to be behind the plate tonight. Yachty's behind the plate for the day game. Probably don't see Arenado for the night game. But... The Cardinals just have to keep winning. They only have a one-game lead over Milwaukee, and they need to take advantage of the schedule right now. Yeah, you got to feast on the Pirates while you can. And isn't this when we're seeing the depth of the Cardinals shine, though, is when they have mm-hmm. a doubleheader like this and you feel comfortable with so many options that they have, mix, mixing and matching the lineup? But I know a lot of people, Randy, were texting in and saying, oh, it wasn't an impressive win last night, even though, though they overcame a five-run deficit. It's the Pirates. Okay, it's still a five-run deficit versus a major league team. I don't care what the record is of the opposition. That's still a difficult thing to overcome. Yeah, it's if you win a game at the major league level, you're playing against other major leaguers. Now, they aren't as good as the major leaguers the Cardinals have, but unfortunately, you can only play the teams on your schedule. I would not have rather played the Dodgers last night. I was fine playing the Pirates, and I'm I'm fine winning a game. And by the way, it, Zach Thompson got the start. It was a guy who, two weeks ago, had never pitched in the major leagues that got the start for your team, and you were able to win that game. Yes, first major league start, but that's when other aspects of your team need to step up and overcompensate for a situation like this. He clearly didn't have it. It was a rough first outing for him, and that's when the offense has to step up and get them some run support and they did just that i hope people that are real fans can appreciate what's happening here that this young team is ascending and getting better better i think so much so often people get so hung up in hating mosaic or or hating the fact that they're only beating the pirates seven to five you forget to experience the joy of a really good season that this team is embarking upon don't waste it, man. There, as we learned in 2016, 17, and 18, you don't get a chance to go to the playoffs every year. Uh-huh. And you, when you do have a pretty good team and a young ascending team, enjoy it. Well, say that, hey, I watched Dylan Carlson, and I watched Nolan Gorman, and I watched Tommy Edmond, and I watched Andrew Kisner. I watched those guys grow up at major leaguers, as major leaguers. So now when they get to a World Series, you can say, you know, I— I deserve it because I was with those guys. And think about other organizations, even within your own division, that are trying to build young talent. 
and they're doing so with a pretty sparse cupboard, right? Like, if you're a Cubs fan, maybe you're excited by Chris Morrell, but that's probably mm-hmm. it. And the rest of the team, not so great. If you're a Pirates fan, Key Brian Hayes is great, but you're not really excited by much, much else. You're the If you're a Cardinals fan, not only are you excited by Brendan Donovan and Juan Yepes and what Matthew Libertor could potentially be, Nolan Gorman, the list goes on of guys that you're impressed by. You're also getting to simultaneously watch them get seasoning and grow while you're watching Adam Wainwright and Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado and Yadier Molina. Oh, and Albert Pujols is back. Mm -hmm. It's very rare that you get both things at the same time while both are still having success, by the way. Because you could have these veteran players that are at the tail end of their careers that are not contributing to the team or young players who are coming in trying to find their way, get calibrated to the major leagues who aren't finding success. You're having both factions of your team, the veterans and the young guys, contributing equally. Yeah, so I'm not saying don't hate anybody because that's everybody's preference. But I'm saying if you are a baseball fan, that's the key part of this. If you're a baseball fan and you fancy yourself as a Cardinal fan, don't let that stand in the way of your enjoyment of this. Who could you possibly hate on this team? Mosaic and DeWitt. I was going to say, but we they, just... they would not have this, this success without Bill DeWitt and John Mosaic. That's a separate conversation. <laughs> but, they, but you would not even have a little bit of the success of this organization without those two guys steering the ship. Michelle. I don't want your logic getting in the way of my argument. Okay, great. <laughs> Just saying. That's great job by our producer engineer Matthew Rocchio. By the way, we got a text that said the Car- the Cardinals should never be down five zero to the Pirates. So you know, completely normal fan base. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you, Randy. <laughs> Pleasure, <laughs> Michelle. This was fun. We'll do it again tomorrow. Isn't that what we love about being a fan, though? Is the irrational side of us. It is. They should never be down, Michelle. It's just, it's what makes it fun. It's fun to be irrational and then be able to walk away and hopefully smile at the end of the night. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow, hump day at 7. Have a great Tuesday, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.